With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Well, there certainly is a lot of political news. Donald Trump has been indicted on 37 counts. It's insane, including espionage uh, charges. I think we have uh, we have that story, but we do have a very big culture war story. Ladies and gentlemen, the gamers have joined the culture war, I guess, because technically they started it, but they're back. I guess it's younger generation of gamers. This this is this is big news as far as I'm concerned. Call of Duty has pulled Activision has pulled a streamer named Nick Merckx, who has millions of subscribers because he tweeted, leave the little kids alone. He said he stands by what he, he, he stands by what he said. He appreciates everybody who has his back. They pulled him and said, yeah, well, we're going to remove your stuff because we celebrate celebrate pride here. Then another very big streamer, Dr. Disrespect, came out and said, no dice, sided with Nick Merckx. What we are seeing here, while it may have always been gamers who are very much opposed to the creepy woke stuff, we are seeing now high profile personalities join in, call for boycotts of these companies and these games outright on live streams to massive waves of younger people. Because regular people are rising up and they're saying no more to this. So when you get a guy and, and you know what they're saying, they're saying that Nick Merckx's dad instincts kicked in because he, he just had a kid. And it, all of a sudden it's like now he gets it. This is what's starting to happen as the younger people are getting a little bit older and they're realizing what woke people are doing in their name. They're starting to say no. So not only are we seeing this major move in terms of a call for a boycott on a major video game, Target has reportedly lost $15 billion off their market cap. Now, We've got CNN and the likes of other companies, uh, other media outlets saying, no, 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 it's nothing to do with the boycott, despite the fact that Walmart isn't suffering. Their stock seems to be just fine. So we're going to talk about this and more. And obviously, we'll talk a bit about the political stuff. It's a Friday night. Before we get started, my friends, head over to castbrew.com and help fight the commies by buying Cast Brew Coffee. How does it help fight commies? It's, it, it's our coffee company. So basically, when you buy this coffee, you are supporting people who don't hate you and who want to help have a positive impact on culture. Make more coffee, make more coffee shops, and just grow a company that exists outside of the woke corporate structures. So let's build that parallel economy at Casper.com. Don't forget to also go to TimCast.com. Join the fight directly by clicking join us and becoming a member to get access to our massive library of uncensored members-only shows. We do those Monday through Thursday at 10 p.m. So go to TimCast.com. Join us. Smash the like button. Subscribe to this channel. Share the show with your friends. Joining us tonight to talk about this and a whole lot more is Riley Moore. Hey, Tim. Thanks for having me back on. This is awesome. Absolutely. Who are you? I'm the state treasurer of West Virginia. I'm also the congressional candidate uh, for the 2nd Congressional District in West Virginia. Right on. Good to have you back. Yeah, we thanks. A lot, Eliyahu, who's hanging out again. Hey, what's up, everybody? Riley, thanks so much for coming on. We have, I'm sure, a great show planned with you. My name's Alad Eliyahu. I'm a reporter here at TimCast News. Check out my work and other journalists who work here's work at, at Twitter, on Twitter at, at TimCast News. Hello, everybody. I am Phil Abonte, lead singer of All That Remains, anti-communist and counter-revolutionary. And I'm Ian Crossland, number four. Uh, I was on the Culture War today. If you guys haven't seen that yet with Zach Voorhees, it was epic. Tim, Zach, and I talked about AI for like two hours. It got crazier and crazier as the conversation went on. Highly recommend checking that out on YouTube at uh, Tim Pool's The Culture War. It was very fun. YouTube.com slash TimCast. There it is. 
And uh, to my right, this beautiful yes. man. Hey, what's up? Uh, <clears throat> my name is Kellen. I see a lot of times people are like, hey, who is this? Who's this fake Surge? Well, I work behind <laughs> the scenes most of the week, uh, but on Fridays, <laughs> what I do live you? switching. Fake Surge, oh. or, you know, uh, whatever they want. No. They've got all kinds of nicknames. But yeah, so that's me. It's good to be hanging out with you guys. Yeah. Let's jump into this first story. From IGN.com, Activision polls FaZe Clan streamer Nick Merck's skin from Call of Duty following anti-LGBTQ plus tweet. Quote, we are focused on celebrating pride with our employees and our community. So first, who is this guy, FaZe? Uh, I believe I have his YouTube right here. He's a streamer, plays video games. He's got 4 million subscribers. And what exactly did he say that got his skin pulled from this game? He said... They should leave little children alone. That's the real issue. That's leave it. Leave them kids alone. So uh, there's a great and powerful revelation in this tweet and what's happening. In response, Activision tweeted this, um, a call of duty on Twitter, which is an Activision game. Charlie Intel says, it appears Activision has removed the Nick Merckx bundle from the Warzone and Modern Warfare 2 store this evening. Activision has not commented on why it has been removed. But the removal of his bundle comes a day after Nick Merck's recent comments about the LGBT plus community. Call of Duty says, due to recent events, we have removed the Nick Merck's operator bundle from the Modern Warfare 2 and Warzone store. We are focused on celebrating pride with our employees and our community. This is actually pretty amazing. Let me get right to it. Nick Merck's did not say anything anti-LGBTQ. He said they should leave little children alone. That's the real issue. Let's break this down. Let's dissect what this uh, prominent streamer with millions of followers on Twitter and millions on YouTube said. Leave kids alone. If a leftist showed up to a school where they were protesting, uh, parents were protesting these books, <coughs> an Antifa person said, leave the kids alone. Is that anti or pro LGBTQ? It's very vague. If a leftist said leave kids alone, they would assume it was a leftist statement and say the right is targeting kids. Nick Nick Merckx didn't say anything specific other than leave kids alone. It could have been left or right wing. So there's something else you can see here. The fact that simply by saying leave kids alone, the left got triggered, angry and pulled him from this game shows they actually understand that they are targeting children with something negative. Well, what is this? It's a response. What's it in response to? So this Pucket account says, this happened four blocks from my Overwatch League apartment. Americans are in a sad place right now. Let people love who they love and live your own life. And it was in response to the video of the parents fighting with, uh, with far leftist activists. You can see the sign here, protect trans kids. He says they should leave the little children alone. That's the real issue. Now, hold on. Why is it that the immediate assumption was that this was a right wing or anti LGBTQ post? I mean, the sign in the video says protect trans kids. Wouldn't his statement be in agreement with what that sign says? Protect the kids. Yeah, they should leave those kids alone. Yeah, I mean, they've totally exposed themselves on this, right? And the funny thing is, the hypocritical thing is, this is supposed to be like the party of choice. And that's really what this battle is about is that parents want to be able to have the choice to have their kids opt out of the Pride Month educational program that they have mandated every child has to go through. Now, a long time ago, um, when I was in school, you could opt in or opt out of sex education. Now, I'm sure as it relates to heterosexual uh, education, I'm sure that's still the case. 
But apparently in Pride Month, there's no opt-out. Like, these are the guys of choice, right? Well, no, they're not, actually. This is about compulsion. It's about control. And I think it's about brainwashing the young people in this country. Yes. I got that. I saw a video of them dancing through the hallways of an elementary school, like the little kids, and they were like a rainbow. They were like dancing through a rainbow portal or something. Yeah, and I saw that. I thought about it when I was six and seven in like first and second grade. And like what I would have felt going into that would have been very afraid. Like not, and I, I, maybe that sounds crude, but like, I don't just like, I, I, it would have made me nervous because I didn't know what it was and everyone's screaming, but like they want to, it's a chance to not have to do boring schoolwork. So everyone's in mm-hmm. for a lot of people are into it, but like, I can see how kids would be like not comfortable, but not saying anything about it. Cause when you're seven, what the hell can you say? And who can you say it to? Well, and this is just one event that's happening in the unified school district of Los Angeles. They've now instituted, I think it's like five separate days of, you know, uh, trans awareness and a day of silence and another pride month and this and this and that. If these people celebrated like the 4th of July, maybe perhaps like they celebrated this, we'd have a very different country, right? I mean, it, it, it's insane. Right. Let me sh- let me show you this. Uh, Nick Merckx responded to the backlash saying, friends are created in good times, but families are built through adversity. Appreciate all of you that have my back. Understand my position as a new father and recognize the love I have for all. Ain't no hate in this heart, PNL. I mean, that's it. I mean, that's very well said. Look, back I, down. I, I, I have three kids, right? And no one is in control of my kids except me and my wife. That's it. They want control over everyone's kids. I mean, we've seen that debate happen over and over again. They want to have the control of shaping our child's uh, yes. Uh, future, yes. their thoughts, what they're going, how they view the world. That's me. I am in control of them. I am their parent. Not the, these teachers, not these activists, me and the, my wife. The left is motivated to affect the, the what they call cultural hegemony. So mm-hmm. when you have kids and you send them to what you assume are schools that are going to teach them how to be good Americans, how to be liberals, how to be, you know, uh, Live in a, in our society. When you do that, you make more capitalists. That's what schools used to do. Nowadays, the well, and what happened was the left realized that to to break that reproduction of the society is the only way that you're going to get to a socialist United States. So they go into the schools using a Freirean method, and they break that hegemony by teaching children their morals and their uh you know moral the, the way that they want society to be what's the friarian method paulo friari was a was a uh portuguese uh marxist and he is is the most influential in current schools um basically he wants to have generative issues so the way that he wants to or the way that his method is teach children in a way that introduces political themes to them, right? So if you're teaching math, the Freirian method figures out a way to not only teach the math lesson or teach the math lesson and additionally teach the political aspects or teach political aspects. So like how many stars are on the flag? How many stripes are on the flag? So yeah, stuff like that. But um, so they would maybe they're talking about, uh, you know, maybe they're talking about how much it costs to get into 
maybe they're talking about about money, right? Or talking about you know using using money as a as a as an example. Um, they would try to direct the conversation, and this is just an example. This is not like this is not the directed way, but they would use, they would try to say, well, maybe you're going to get everyone in the car and go to the amusement park. Well, there's a bunch of ways that you can make that political. First of all, you could talk about the car. Well, does everyone get into, everyone gets into the car, but is that really good for the environment? Are you going, how many people are going in the car? Is it, is it bad for the environment to go to the, the amusement park? Who's been to an amusement park? Everybody's been, you haven't been to an amusement park. How come you haven't been to an amusement park? Well, you know, your parents don't have the money. These are all ways that you can bring up policy politics in what is ostensibly a math or a geography or whatever lesson. And if you can teach kids, if you can bring up po politics, they call it a generative issue. It can generate questions. Mm -hmm. and that's all the LGBT stuff is. When you have kids in front of a drag queen, kids are going to ask questions. Why is that person dressed like that? And then you can start talking about LGBT issues. Grooming. And Exactly. That's yep. exactly what it is. Yes. That's why it's called grooming. Because it makes it normative. Yes, exactly. Yes. It, it gives it gives politically motivated people an opportunity to bring up leftist talking points and leftist politics. Well, and to that point, though, part of this is as human beings, we have what's called observable reality, right? So to Phil's point, I could say, Phil... I'm colorblind, but that wall looks green to me. Phil would say, well, I can see with my vision. That is a gray wall. Tim say, that's a gray wall. As society, we can say objectively, in reality, that's a gray wall. But my perceived reality, it's green. So we're having to accept everyone's perceived reality. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I view, you know, if somebody says, I view myself as a woman, and we're all looking at that person saying, uh, no. Objective reality says, no, you're not. Observable reality says you're not. But we are now having to accept, accept their perceived reality. Do you know where that's a problem? North Korea. They are controlling what is objective and observed reality, right? They are able to control what is reality and control language. That is where we are headed on this. That's what's happening here. And it starts in the schools. Mm -hmm. It's all it's all grooming in a variety of ways. But but there is overt targeting of kids with sexual sexual grooming. But there's also ideological grooming, yep. mm -hmm. and it all follows exactly what you said: generative issues. <clears throat> I know I know I explained it a lot, but just for the sake of context, for anybody who hasn't heard, I'll give you a very simple version: modeling. They say, "Do you want to be a model? Modeling is a normal job. Lots of people model. They are famous models. The groomers who who use modeling to groom kids." will say, you're a model, it's normal, everyone does it. Then they'll say, why don't you wear this bathing suit? Then they'll say, why don't you take this piece of clothing off? They're slowly inching you towards something sexual. Mm -hmm. If you want to if, if make the claim that you're just trying to educate kids, it would not start with books that teach the kids how to use gay dating apps. And that's what they're doing. There's a book called This Is Gay, for those of you that don't know. A teacher in Illinois gave it to middle schoolers. With it, with it, and in the book, there's instructions on how to use adult anonymous gay hookup apps. Yep. Like that 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 is 
beyond just the the intro level grooming. Like she's out right now instructing them on these behaviors. Well, and to your point on the introduction, Target, right? Where you had this huge protest over Target, they're introducing bathing suits. Generative issues. Right? Yeah. yeah. They're introducing bathing suits where kids can tuck, right? And well, it, they were adult bathing suits. Yeah, adult bathing suits. But I mean, it's in a place where a family shop, right? And then the Fa- kid's going to say, dad, what's tucking? Yeah. What's tucking? They're going to say, that? what's pride? You know, right. young kids that, that don't, you know, the first first time that they're cognizant and aware and be like, daddy, what's pride? Mommy, what's pride? Right off the bat, the whole month of June has become a generative issue. And if you don't want your kids to be exposed to that stuff at four, five, right. six, now you're called a bigot. Yes. It's unacceptable. Every, all the schools are doing it. Yeah. It's unacceptable. I think conservatives, moderates, anybody who's anti-woke needs to sue the schools to get the flags removed. 100%. Yes. And just say there, it's a political flag. It is offensive to a lot of people. That's just reality. You should not have offensive things. And if the courts deem that you can have it, then start flying the flag you want to fly. Then, so there's that, there's that issue in Massachusetts where a kid wore a shirt and said there are two genders. They told him to take it off. Can't wear that shirt. Mm. Sued over it. The judge said, until, the, until we have a resolution, you, you still can't wear that shirt. And my response wow. is, okay, well, then they shouldn't fly the pride flags. If saying there are two genders is offensive to some, the pride flag, which appropriates God's covenant, the rainbow, should be offensive to Christians. And that's a protected class as well, religious belief. Therefore, it should all go. If you can't have one, you can't have the other. And that goes back to that observable reality of two genders. Like when children are born, that gender is not determined at birth. It is observed. We observe what that wanna, child is. I want to jump to this next story from comicbook.com because the boycotts are getting crazier. Doctor disrespect boycotts Call of Duty following Nick Merck's controversy. They say following the Nick, uh, Call of Duty has enjoyed an absurd level of success, blah, blah, blah. Last night, Nick Merck's skin was removed from the game, et cetera, et cetera. We know this. Doctor disrespect uninstalled Call of Duty and said he won't return until they apologize or add Nick Merck's operator bundle back into the game. For those that are just tuning in, Nick Merck's a prominent streamer with, I think like 8 million followers. No, he's got more than that. He's got 6 million on Twitch. He's got yeah. 4 million on YouTube. He's got 2 million on Twitter. Yep. Said, leave the little children alone. That's it. So they ax him from the game. Now you've got this guy, Dr. Disrespect, who's extremely, also with millions of followers, saying, I won't play the game till they apologize. What we are seeing is a major shift I don't know if Bud Light has anything to do with it, but I wonder if after everyone saw a 30% sales drop from Bud Light for doing this, two things happened. People became less afraid, thinking, hey, you know what? If I speak out, I can clearly see most people are on my side. And the other thing was opportunists thought it was popular and they jumped on board. Well, it also but now real quick, just now you have more prominent, high profile people willing to boycott powerful brands mm. over going in this direction. Yeah, yeah, the Bud Light fiasco and boycott and success of the boycott globally showed people globally that you have control with social media of markets. And now they're emboldened and are willing to twist the market at will 
Uh, it can go bad as well. I mean, it can go in any direction depending on what side you're on. I've always been concerned about people like organizing um, a mass withdrawal of money from a bank on a day and trying to crash the economy. Riley, I wanted to ask you on this. I know you talk yeah. a lot about ESG. Yeah. You mentioned Target and what's going on with Activision now. Could you explain to us what ESG is and does that play into any of this at all? Yeah, ESG does play into this actually. So Anheuser-Busch, right? Uh, guess who one of the largest shareholders are of Anheuser-Busch? InBev. Black BlackRock? BlackRock. <laughs> BlackRock is in Vanguard. And so what since they are some of the largest shareholders through the dollars that they manage in retirement funds and everything else, they have massive amounts of voting power there. And so what they do is push initiatives like this at board meetings because they've been able to install their board of directors on those corporate boards of governance. And that's how we get here. And that's how decisions like this get made. In simple we're, we're, terms, what is ESG for people who don't oh, understand yes. in plain language? And how does it affect this? So very short and quick, ESG, which stands for Environmental Social Governance, what it is doing, it's forcing dollars towards ideas instead of returns, which is the opposite of the free market. Dollars should flow towards returns, not ideas. And what they are doing is coercing capital towards ideas instead of returns and which is going to ultimately i think destroy the free market in this country you know uh vanguard state street and blackrock i notice with almost every public company we talk about has about 22 percent the three companies combined blackrock vanguard state street have about 22 percent of all these public companies 22 percent 22 percent of microsoft of apple and it's they never really have that much more they never really have that much less so with 22 percent what kind of board power can you access well i mean think about what does elon know of twitter Right. I mean, isn't it like 13 percent, something like that, like controlling interest or something. But I mean, when he uh, ended up buying it, uh, I, I think the amount of stock that it took to get there. So if, right, he owns it entirely. He now. owns it entirely yeah. now. But the amount of uh, so thir 13 couldn't get him what he wanted. Right. So he had to buy it out. Yeah, he had to buy it out. And but that amount of. Uh, leverage that they have like each one owning 22 22, 22. Well, no, each one owns about seven percent yeah yeah seven percent but these guys in totality cast 25 percent of every vote cast on every publicly traded company in the country and the assets under management that they have is larger than the gdp of the united states in a given year so it's 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 not just about voting though no. Vo voting voting with 25 percent power doesn't sound like a whole lot I the know. bigger the bigger issue is if they went to they have seven percent of insert company and they go and they say we're holding about 250 million dollars of your company if you don't do this i'm sorry we're going to have to protect our uh, clients by selling off all of this stock, yep. which will cause a panic and a dump on your company. Mm -hmm. Oh, have a and, nice day. And they're, and they're all three coordinated in their approach. I mean, 22%, look, I mean, is a substantial amount of control given, I mean, depending on the publicly traded company that you're talking about. And it gives them a tremendous amount of leverage. ExxonMobil was a great example. Uh, BlackRock was certainly not a uh, majority stakeholder there, but through working through proxies who they were able to put onto the board, activist members in 2021, they were able to put board members on there coordinating with their other uh, ESG woke capitalist uh, buddies. They put activist board members on there that moved and were successful in reducing oil production at ExxonMobil by 20% and increasing green energy production by 20%, which then 
Guess we could have used that oil production right about now, right? With gas prices. So can you, uh, it was three companies, right? Three firms? Yes, State Street, Vanguard, BlackRock. Okay, so who owns BlackRock? Uh, well, BlackRock is publicly traded, right? Right. So who's got the who's got the largest stake in those com- in, in let's just say BlackRock? Well, yeah, I mean Larry Fink's like the like the one of the top guys. Well, uh, do you, do you want to know who the yeah, shareholders the, are? Yeah. First, we have the Vanguard Group. Yep. Next, we have State Street Corp. Yeah. Then we have Bank of America, and there's there's a list of others. The, the, but I, I just highlight this because they own each other. Yeah, and Larry himself owns a significant amount. In, in there as well, who's the CEO of it is, yes, they, but they all do own each other. And so there is, you know, and look, if I'm elected to Congress, these guys got to get, in my view, they need to get broken up. Yeah, for sure. I'm looking I mean, at BlackRock Inc. and it's owned, 5% of it's owned by BlackRock Fund yes. Advisors. Yes. Riley, for a moment, I wanted to follow up on this ESG stuff and um, kind of play the devil's advocates role mm-hmm. because a lot of people are pushing for this. Many people are saying that free markets aren't working for everybody across our countries now, uh, nowadays, and we need to start worrying about the stakeholders, i.e. employees or workers, more than just the shareholders, like where the capital is coming from. How would you respond to somebody who's saying this is really about helping workers yeah, sta- stakeholder capitalism is fake. That is not a real thing. Stakeholder capitalism. So when we in in West Virginia, we did a restricted financial institution list for companies that were boycotting the fossil fuel industry. And I spoke to a lot of the biggest financial institutions in the country. And the end of the day, a publicly traded company, their job is to maximize shareholder value, right? And when I talked to them, I said, uh, well, what's what stakeholder capitalism do you? And they're like, well, you know, people that have different interests. We have, uh, you know, communities of color, indigenous people. We have uh, green energy. We have environmentalists and this and that. And I said, well, what about the shareholder? Where do they fit in there? They're like, well, they're one of the stakeholders. Let me just uh, kind real, of real, real quick. Go just for one second to, in- to insert this. Pull this up. According to Yahoo Finance, the top institutional stakeholder of Vanguard is BlackRock. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it is. It's you are crazy. right. It yes. should be broken up. Yeah. Anyway, anyway, Elon, sorry. The follow-up was going to be that, like, uh, oftentimes that because it's, uh, this is what people would argue, that when it's just the shareholders in charge, some companies get gutted out and it doesn't help the workers. And some people are just looking to benefit on the back-end stock side, finance side of it. So that that's kind of, yeah, would I be mean, my follow-up. The, the, the shareholder, uh, shareholder capitalism, I mean, is not helping the employees sure so yeah. exactly the stakeholder yeah, capitalism the idea of it is no, no, supposedly no, no, part, although the devil's yeah. in the details and yeah. it doesn't I, actually but but uh, I, I misspoke there so in in terms of shareholders some of these guys do get some type of stock option and blah 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 and some of this the share uh, or the um stakeholder stakeholder version of that it's not helping the employees either mm. i mean this isn't helping but like so at exxon Mobil's board it's not a bunch of employees that said like we want to reduce oil production so we're working less no, this was pushed by BlackRock and then Engine One, which was a former employee of BlackRock who started their own company and were able to uh, get onto that board to help facilitate bringing these uh, leftists onto the board to try to destroy ExxonMobil from the inside out. Um, I mean, all this does is essentially redefine, and this is where it gets slippery, and this is by design, what risk is. Mm. Right. What risk is what? How do you define risk? Well, they define risk by not being diverse enough. They define risk by uh, global climate change. What they need to define risk is by the very simple um, definitions, what are called pecuniary factors of material financial risk and return. They're going to end up destroying people's retirement funds. I guess my I think the idea here is that 
they're arguing that their version of stakeholder capitalism is going to work to um, is going to work to help the average employee. I believe free markets actually help the workers more than what they're saying with stakeholder capital and ESG. I just want to understand: you don't think this is actually helping the workers? Then no, this, this, isn't, trying to this isn't helping yeah. the workers at all. You got because Larry that's what they're arguing that yeah, this is for them. No, because you have Larry Fink at the top of this thing, right? You know, over there at BlackRock, they all own each other and they're all in coordination. Do you think anybody in these publicly traded companies? have any vote or any say in this top-down. Larry Fink has made very clear. He was, at, of course, at the World Economic Forum just recently uh, talking to Aaron Sorkin and saying, we are going to force behaviors. We're going to force yeah. behaviors. That yeah. is what we are going to do. We're going to force behaviors. And he has said capitalism, in his view, this shareholder cap, uh, stakeholder capitalism, has the ability hey guys it is ryan i'm not sure if you know this about me but i'm a bit of a fun fanatic when i can i like to work but i like fun too it's a thing and now the truth is out there i can tell you about my favorite place to have fun chumba casino they have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week you can play for free anytime anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. To, um, has the ability to essentially control people's behavior, right? Has the ability to shape the world is what he said, essentially. I got a correction. That, that last talk I showed wasn't Vanguard. It was a different company called American Vanguard. And they're they, they're confusing, and it's actually very difficult to find who are the largest shareholders of Vanguard, which is different. But right. I will I will pull it up. So Larry Fink says it has the ability to shape society. But it, what if we don't want the same shape of society that Larry Fink does? I want to interject. Right? <laughs> I want to interject on that. The idea that we should be shaping society every time that's been tried in human history. It's ended with piles and piles of dead bodies. Yes. When they try, like, if you listen to, to Marx, he talked about new socialist man, that normal, that the man, that man is not ready for the socialist uh, system. You have to remake man. Nietzsche did the same thing when he talked mm -hmm. about the, 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 the Ubermensch, the overman. He believed that without God, Man had to come up with his own new morality and normal man, us, would not understand the overman's morality. And the overman isn't in any position or isn't obligated to explain to us. What they're trying to do is nothing new. Like the idea yeah. that we can reshape the world to prevent climate change, which I, I mean, there's a lot of things that I have problems that I have with the arguments for climate change. Um, but the effort to remake humanity always ends with piles of dead bodies. The Nazis did it. The communists did it more than once. Pol Pot, 2 million people died in Cambodia. That was 20% of all of the people in Cambodia. There was 8 million people in Cambodia before Pol Pot. They killed 2 million people. Mao tried to change. Mao believed that the sparrows were 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 a problem and they weren't communist so they were tr they, they were eating the seed and so he told all the people in China kill the sparrows don't let the sparrows land and what happened was because the sparrows were not there to eat the bugs the bugs ate all the crops and there was a famine and millions of people died when you try 
to affect the whole world, when you try to change mankind, humans always screw it up and it always ends in piles and piles and piles of dead bodies. This ESG stuff is aimed at affecting climate change. You talk about the stuff that was going on in, uh, I think it was the Dutch farmers yes. that were having the problem. Yep. That's because they wanted to, they wanted to limit how much they could produce. They want to limit how much you can use fossil fuels. All of our fertilizer is fossil fuel based. It's all petrochemicals. Yes. If you don't have fertilizers, then you're going to have famines. Millions and millions, if, if they are successful, with the to, in getting control of basically the markets, global markets, there will be millions and millions and millions and millions of people, probably a billion people that will die of famine. This is not hyperbolic either. All you have to do is look at the nineteenth or at the uh, look at the twentieth century and see the death tolls that have that were that were a result of governments trying to reshape human nature um i want to real quick just uh the, there's no shareholders of vanguard vanguard says they're they're the only investment management company owned by its investors yeah, basically well, means the people who put their money in it they're quote unquote the owners but it's mm, someone still runs it right it and to phil's point on uh, you know if Listening audience is curious. Nietzsche, good luck at Will to Power. That's a book that he wrote. It's, yeah. a, it's a terrible book. But, uh, it, <laughs> but it, it, look, it's, it's very interesting because that is kind of where we are right now. But to his point, in Ireland, they're telling them that they're going to have to cull, that means kill, all of their cattle yeah. to reduce uh, greenhouse gas emissions from cows. I mean, this is how they've lived there for centuries. For centuries, right? I mean, so what is that going to do to the island of Ireland, the Republic of Ireland, right? And at the end of the day, we have this collusion as it relates to ESG in between corporate power and left-wing ideology. So it's this unholy merger of corporate power and left-wing ideology that you've seen before. I want to jump to this story. We got this from the Daily Mail. Targets market cap slumps by $15 billion amid backlash over tuck-friendly swimsuits. Analysts say retail giant is hemorrhaging customers to Walmart. Oh, no. Now, all that stuff we're talking about, I'm just going to sit back and say we're winning. Yes. Yeah. You hate to see it. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah, well, you go, love bro. to see it. Wow. Regular people, we saw, we saw parents rising up saying, get this stuff away from my kids. We're seeing gamers who have long been in the culture war. In fact, gamers started the culture war back with Gamergate, now still being very active and um, now taking center stage uh, once again. And now we have the Bud Light Effect, Target, Kohl's. North Face, these companies are getting slammed by people who are just saying, I'm fed up. When did the uh, Target boycott begin? Middle of May. <clears throat> it was on May 21st when it, things just started to plummet. And a yeah, few it was days like May ago. 17th or something, so I think. Two and a half weeks ago. Wow. People are just oh, tired of it. Oh, yeah. 16th well, and, is where it began. And the great thing is, is that right now the free market does still work, right? We're watching that. We're watching that as it relates to Target, but... In a not too distant future, if we don't continue to push back against this, and look, I think we are starting to chip away at this ESG issue. We are. Now, Vanguard has dropped out of the Net Zero uh, Asset Managers Alliance. Now, I think they're still doing it. They're still involved in it, but they're starting to hedge. You're seeing people start to hedge. Um, And these folks are going to have to learn their lesson in free market economics. Guess who shops at Target? Uh, 
not your uh, woke liberal elites. They're driving Subarus to Whole Foods, right? So, Riley, so I wanted to follow up with you. You're running for a very important in the second congressional district here in West Virginia. I know um, ESG has been a big part of your campaign so far. Are there any other big issues that you're especially concerned about? Yeah, uh, certainly. Obviously, we've done a lot in the state treasurer's office, which I'm in currently on ESG. But uh, some of the other big ones is China is something that we're going to have to contend with uh, as a country and uh, moving forward. I mean, the idea that we're still making pharmaceuticals over there, I think, is hugely problematic. They're going to be one of the biggest uh, one of the biggest threats, I think, in the near and long-term future for us. But domestically, where I'm focused, and I run what's called the Hope Scholarship here in West Virginia. It's an educational savings account. We must, and underline this, we must eliminate the Department of Education. It <laughs> has to go. Wow. It has to go. That's a big... Proclamation right there. No, the Department of Education must be eliminated. If you look at when Jimmy Carter instituted that to where we are now, we used to be number one in education in the world, and where we are now, it is not working. And so we need to move that money back to the states and then take a portion of that money to create educational savings accounts all around the country, because not as many states are as free as West Virginia, but every American child, whether in California or New York, needs to have educational opportunity and choice. So that's going to be a big issue as well that I'm going to work I on. I wanted to follow up with you. There's a very contentious Republican presidential primary going on. I'm not sure if you heard. What do you think of the primary so far? <laughs> I have heard. I've heard a little bit about that. Uh, I have endorsed uh, President Trump. And so that is certainly who I'm uh, supporting. Can I follow up with you on that? I mm-hmm. talked a lot about this. I talked about it with Seamus yesterday. I see that you were endorsed by the West Virginia for life. Um, yes. In a lot of Trump's statements, he actually sounds less pro-life than Ron DeSantis does. I think Ron DeSantis was trying to push six weeks bans while Trump puts out tweets blaming um, the abortion issue for Trump lo- uh, for Republicans losing in the midterms. So how do you square, you know, supporting, endorsing Trump and being so pro-life when there are other more pro-life people in the field? Yeah, you know, uh, I've seen some of those statements. I can't say I'm necessarily happy with that. Uh, in West Virginia, we passed a ban and it's zero weeks. Uh, in West Virginia. So obviously... Well, when was that? Uh, that was in the, the last session. It oh, passed. So, There's oh, so zero. this January. Wow. Yeah. So wow. West Virginia always gets ignored when these things happen. Yeah. Right? So that's a law in West Virginia. There are some exemptions in it. Uh, rape, incest, uh, life of mother. Uh, but, uh, yep. So that's what happened in West See, Virginia. I, I don't even understand the incest one, though. Like, I understand it's bad. Don't get me wrong. I think it shouldn't happen. When it comes to the issue of rape, that I certainly understand for for exceptions, and it's a horrible thing still. But I don't I don't understand the conservative argument on why incest. Uh, yeah, I, I, I don't I don't really understand that one either. Um, like if the, uh, yeah, if the yeah. baby's not viable and can't survive, there's not a question of exceptions. It's an issue of like, well, the baby can't survive if the incest results in deformity. Now, again, obviously, incest should not be happening. Right. But I just don't understand what the conservative argument is, why we give that an exception. Also, like, how often is that happening? Like, I don't... <laughs> what, what, what I've heard I from mean... conservatives is that it's, it's, it's meant to refer to child abuse. Right. You know, like parents... Yeah, and I guess at the kids. end of the day, in like rape still covered by that? Like... That's why I just don't understand. I mean, it, it's a eugenic argument. It's a eugenics argument that, that yeah. uh, incest results in abnormality. And I'm like, I get that, but wouldn't the conservative position, like I'm, I'm, I'm more pro-choice than 
probably you guys, I think. I don't know about a lot or whatever. I'm more pro Yeah, 14 but, weeks, 15 weeks. But so I just don't understand the conservative argument. That's all. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't really get that. I have either. another question for you. Yeah. Um, so you come from a political family. Um, your grandfather was, uh, he served in the House reps for a decade. Then he was also the governor here in West Virginia for a decade. Your aunt is currently serving um, in West Virginia as the junior senator, uh, Ms. Shelley Morcapito. How would you respond to somebody who says, we've seen enough nepotism in our country and government already, and that you you undoubtedly do benefit from the family name. Your aunt still keeps her the, she has a hyphenated last name to still keep that more name. How would you respond to somebody that you're benefiting from your family name and, you know, not necessarily your merit? Yeah, look, it's a great question. I don't want anybody to vote for me because of my name. Uh, I want them to vote for Riley. And, you know, it, it, it is a fair point that people make on that. And I wouldn't argue for a minute. But look, I'm not running on my name. I'm running on my record. And look, I got a very conservative record. And I think it stands for itself. And I think it stands on its own. You know, don't vote for me because of my last name. I, I you know, it, and if that's an, an issue for you, I totally understand. I, but I, just take a look at my record. I don't, I don't really care. Like Jeb didn't make it. Jeb was trash. But part you know of why yeah. they get some of some of that bump initially is a result of the last name. Same with Kennedy. I think a lot of Kennedy support just comes from the last name. Same with the Bushes. Same with the Clintons. I mean, but Rand's pretty based. Yeah. Rand Rand's Paul. Pretty, yeah. I don't think Rand would have had the opportunity, but, though, had it not been for his father. And I'm not knocking yeah. your credentials, but, but, but the yeah. benefit from your grandfather was very influential. But, in the state, and your aunt is still very yeah. influential. But in let, me, let me just say, uh, does, does, does Ron have any other kids? Does Rand have any siblings? I don't know if um, if there was like a like a a third Rand at Paul and she was running. I would I'd be like I don't I show me no well, more. Well, he's the I'm third voting. one in the family, yeah. but uh, like Ron me, it Paul's must children, sure. I will be, I would vote for in a heartbeat. Like yeah, anybody yeah. who fell from any apple that fell from that tree gets my vote. But isn't that nepotism? <laughs> then you're voting them because it well, ne- nepotism it's family values is favoritism. I'm half kidding. I'm half yeah. kidding. You could argue that. Uh, someone that is related to someone else is the most qualified person for the job. And like, in those situations, wait, I don't consider it, it fav- favoritism and therefore not, not nepotism. nepotism. It's, it's not wait, nepotism. What is it, nepotism? Uh, it, voting for someone because they're a father? That's not nepotism. Because the nepotism, it means that like you get someone a job because they're related. Nepotism right. is the practice among those with power influence of favoring relatives. I... Yeah, but that means that's... Right, yeah, I don't have like any power. Job. Riley's not appointed. But, yeah, I'm not appointed. I think... You undoubtedly benefit from the name, but the follow would be the Thanksgiving dinners must be interesting. I don't know. Are you going to get the endorsement from your, <laughs> your aunt? Or? I might be in trouble if I don't. Um, <laughs> Did she endorse you? I don't. Yeah. I mean, uh, yeah, she supports what I do. Who's you know, she supporting what I'm running She's for. the junior senator in West Virginia. Oh, I thought you were talking um, about she is Tyler. Yeah. Shelly Moore Capito. So, we're not fans. Uh, kept I we're know not you're not. And look. Why aren't I, you a fan? Because she uh, signed on to red flag laws and then lied about it. Yes. What do you think of that? Look, I don't support red flag laws. What was and it? and look, we're we're related. She's my aunt. I love her, but you know, doesn't mean we're going to agree on everything, right? So it's I don't support yeah, red I flag laws. I, I don't I don't support any restrictions on the Second Amendment whatsoever. We don't need to do. Yes. We don't need to do anything <laughs> new as it relates to the Second Amendment. Yes. yes, we do. We need to repeal. Oh yes, yeah. <laughs> we, we have to repeal. I'm talking about moving forward on any type of uh, restrictions whatsoever. Hey, look, we've been winning on one two A across the. One of us. <laughs> yeah. One of us. Oh, yeah. One of us. <laughs> we, if you look at the maps of gun rights, it's just been victory after victory after victory. I, I got to be honest. I think people they hear us complain about bad things and they get blackpilled and they're like, oh, Tim's blackpilled. And he says, and I'm like, look, man, just because I'm saying like, hey, thing over here is really bad does not mean the totality of things are, are moving in a positive way. 
That's why I often try to say like, look, I know it's getting really, really bad, but my, my vision really is the end result is going to be awesome stuff happening. Yes. Like we, we, the reason we are in a conflict culturally with like the targets, the Bud Lights, the Anheuser-Busch or whatever is because we are now standing up and pushing back. When you get sick, you are already infected. That's, that's pain you're feeling is fighting back against it. So, so the stuff we're going through now means we have engaged and we are seeing victory after victory after victory. So I'm feeling pretty good. I think it could get bad, especially with the Trump indictments and all that stuff. It is getting bad. Yeah. But I think it's that we're seeing when, when, when someone is drowning and they can't breathe, they start thrashing around as violently as possible. And they say, if you're trying to rescue them, you've got to approach them from behind and lift them up. Otherwise they'll drag you down. Mm. The machine is in a death rattle. It is gurgling and shaking as it, it, it ends itself. It, it's, it's struggling. Mm-hmm. So I, I see, I see the, the sun rising. I think we're heading in a good direction, but it does mean there's going to be some hardships along the way. Don, Riley, what do you got to sail through that the second storm. indictment? Well, first indictment too. What do you think <laughs> the indictments against Trump? You want to do indictment one or two? Uh, let's start with two. Well, let's 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 do this. Oh, let me let me sorry. pull up the, uh, yeah. the, the 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 current story on this one from Politico. Trump haphazardly stashed military secrets throughout his home. Indictment says prosecutors charged Trump with 37 felonies, including 31 counts under the Espionage Act of willful retention of classified records. 37 felonies. I mean, this is this is breakdown of, of political and social order in the United States. Yeah, and in how many did they have in New York? I can't remember. How many was that? Was that one? seven? Yeah, something like I don't that. Know. But I don't want to pull it up. You know, it, it, <laughs> The timing on this is so interesting, right? It's literally the day that the that the Republicans in Congress announced that they have Biden dead to rights on the Burisma bribe deal. Same exact day. And we knew it the whole time. It was yeah. a r- remarkable uh, moment on this show. I'd like to give a shout out to our friend Hunter Avalon. When I brought up that Joe Biden said, if you don't fire the prosecutor, you're not getting the loans. And he mm-hmm. goes, that never happened. Mm. And I was like, that's on what? video. I pulled up the video and I'm like, there's the video of it happening. And it's, it's, it's remarkable to me how many people are willing to opine on the Ukraine conflict without having done the research into the Burisma scandal, uh, uh, the Cutter Turkey pipeline, Gazprom, etc. We, we've been talking about this for some time. I went through Ukrainian, Russian, British, French and U.S. news reports tracking down what was going on. I went through Wikipedia, which is I know not the best, but I'm trying to connect the dots. And the dots are, are, are pretty clear. The guy who was running Burisma, you got a former CIA guy on the board. You got Hunter Biden on the board. Yep. It is clear that there is something nefarious going on. When when Biden came out and said, you know, we want to fire the prosecutor because he wasn't good. And then he gets fired and they put someone good in. Lies. The CEO of Burisma was, was, had fled the country. When the, and the prosecutor had about a dozen or more, this is according to Matt Taibbi, open investigations into Mykola Zlachevsky and Burisma. When the prosecutor got fired... Those those investigations go away. Zlachevsky returns to the country. He was, a, he was a CEO. Zlachevsky. He's the founder. I think he was CEO. He's the founder. Yeah. When uh, uh, when Trump then starts asking questions, what's going on? Flees the country again. Yeah. Yet yet. So so when Biden's intervention resulted in the guy coming back. Right. Nonsense. This it, yeah. it is clear as day. And so that drops the exact same day as this. Not to mention. How many boxes does Biden have next to his Corvette in his garage? I I mean, like, what the hell are we talking about here? I mean, you know, this is this is so obviously political. And this Department of Justice has been so politically motivated now for 
so many years. I mean, we've seen it. I mean, how many investigations into Trump, right? Oh, Russia collusion, fake, totally fake. Everybody knows that it's fake now, right? And so now here we are on this one as well. I hope everybody knows that it's fake if it's fake, because I don't, I, I, I have a feeling that 70 million people have no idea. I, I think States. I think you're right about that. But I bet everybody in this room knows it's fake. So, <laughs> so I Teflon believe it's Don, fake. Teflon Don, every, many people have taken shots <laughs> at him. He's gone through many like impeachments and whatnot. I can't even remember all of the there, scandals. But uh, they, it seems as though they're saying there's like a smoking gun here where there's this transcript in the indictment where it's saying that he's talking to a staffer about declassifying when he's not able to. H- have you seen this stuff? And do you think this will be the one that gets him or... Uh, well, let me let me just real, real quick. Yeah, sorry, go ahead, interrupt. Tim. But uh, hey, you want to buy a bridge for me? <laughs> if it's cheap enough, I don't know. I yeah. mean, do you have a deal for me? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, do I think this one's going to stick? I don't. Um, I, I I don't think it's going to mm. stick. And I will say, you in the in the psyche and the conscious of the American people out here, who are not kind of like brainwashed into thinking that uh, Trump colluded with Russia and all these other things, um, I I, th- I don't think they're going to believe this either. I mean, how many of these things are going to Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details keep coming up that they're going to try to get him on um to answer your question in new york he's been charged with 34 felony counts yes 34 felony counts in new york and nothing came of that he's the first former president to be criminally indicted as i understand uh many people say this will escalate with a tit for tat once a republican is elected do you want to see different former democrats um indicted on things well i'm sure they could find this embarrassment stuff with joe biden but would you like to see democratic uh former presidents also um searched through and possibly indicted? i mean not in any political manner look if they have broken the law then Mm. yes I mean, then yes, look, I mean, uh, people need to be answerable to the law. And I mean, our current president uh, certainly isn't. And what somehow his son is not. The law? A, good, a good prosecutor <laughs> could indict Iraq is, you know, one of the sayings. If you have a good prosecutor, you could find anything to indict on. So that's why I kind of ask, it becomes political once they start indicting Republicans and then them trying to do it back to them. So on that, yeah, and I'm this sure isn't, yeah. isn't the first time you've seen this, right? So they started uh, started down this path impeachment with Richard Nixon, and then they came back in revenge on Bill Clinton, right? I mean, so you, you, you've seen some of this before, but it's like, you've gone through two impeachments with Trump. You've gone through all these investigations and all the, I, I mean, it is, in one sense, though, I'd say what's very interesting about it is that it shows you the power of the deep state. It shows you how powerful they are, and it is exposing who is actually in charge here. Absolutely, it's I, the it's power. Joe Biden. <laughs> Every day, it's Joe Biden. It, it's the relentless nature it's of the organization. Me saying Joe Biden was in charge is a joke, and everyone laughs. <laughs> Man, I saw a video of him today just staggering around on stage with a vacant stare, and then I saw his profile, and it looked really like a fat chick. It's like, Mr. Yeah. Magoo is our president. Yeah. Man, I, that show was funny. 
And that's an indicate like, why is the Justice Department going sideways? Well, we have no leadership or a lack of leadership. Like a good president, no matter who you are, is going to know that you don't want to disrupt and destroy your political establishment. Oh, so, if you're part of the deep state right now and you're working there, this is like the greatest time of your life. Yeah. You I think mean, they enjoy they, they, it? Oh, this is great. Very little. I mean, you're, you're just left to your own devices. It's all political appointees and people that have been there forever that are just having the time of their life. And they're getting a lot done, uh, unfortunately. And I mean, it's, it's unfortunate for all the people in America. But I will say this about Hunter. Hunter could play a very critical role in ending the war in Ukraine, I do believe. All he would have to do, I think, for a, like a brief period of time, given the nature of his consumption, boycott perhaps Russian liquor and hookers, and the war's over. I mean, I think it would have an effect on the economy that would be irreversible, perhaps. <laughs> Like that Putin would fly him out. Yeah. It's wine like, and dine him. Hunter, we need you back, please. <laughs> <laughs> it's, this is... <laughs> oh, what, how do you feel about this war in Ukraine situation? How, what kind of resolution do you see? You know, I, I think the unfortunate thing is that you're not seeing, and of course, out of this administration, there seems to be no diplomatic overtures whatsoever uh, to try to end the war in Ukraine. And there needs to be some type of negotiated end to this. If you think that the Ukrainians are going to be able to categorically and strategically defeat the Russian military and defeat Russia, that's not a likely outcome, right? And so they need to be in a position where there can be some type of negotiated peace settlement here the Ukrainians, though, for them, they want Crimea back. They want the Donbass. You know, I don't know if that's necessarily possible, but there needs to be some type of diplomatic overtures from our Secretary of State, who seems to be. Has anybody seen him, Tony Blinken, the Secretary of State? I, I hear nothing from him. Nothing from him on this. I feel like I've heard more from like Henry Kissinger, who's like a hundred, right? I mean, like he's talked about this more than. Than Tony Blinken. It's has. funny you mentioned that because Tony Blinken actually went to Henry Kissinger's hundredth birthday in New York City, like sometime last week. Um, not to derail the conversation too aggressively, but I think it uh, kind of relates to this. President Joe Biden has said that if Taiwan is attacked by China, then we will defend them. Do you think the United States should come to the defense of Taiwan if attacked by China? Yeah, I I think that there is a we do have to deter China as it relates to Taiwan. And I think that there can be deterrence in that because you're talking about a massive area that is hugely important to the United States as it relates to the economy of the United States, right? But deterrence is the key here. I mean, somebody said a long time ago, if you want peace, prepare for war. Right? Isn't it, if we well, do I, say I, we will defend Taiwan, that would be setting deterrence then. So can we so, get a yes or no answer I mean, on it? Deterrence is different than war. Well, right? we'd be we, deterring we, China by telling them that we would come to the defense of Taiwan. Yes, but deterrence is also power projection, right? So we, I'll give you a great example. We deterred the Soviet Union for decades, right? I mean, that was the detente. That was the deterrence strategy there. Deterrence can be uh, a, a viable option here because they're going to make the calculation because for them, they're going to have to look to see, okay, they're going to take airstrikes into Taiwan. Eventually, they will have to put boots on the ground in an amphibious assault, right? But then they're also going to have to take out our assets in uh, Third Fleet, right? Who's out there in the Pacific. 
that is going to then incur massive casualties on their side and ours. Amphibious, they've not done amphibious invasion, right? So they're trying to think that 100-mile stretch that they're going to have to cross, what that looks like. We have to make that calculation as difficult as humanly possible for them. So if I just could, Joe Biden has repeatedly said that we will militarily intervene if Taiwan is attacked by China. Do you agree with Joe Biden or disagree? I feel like I know we could put a lot of, but at the end of the day, like, yeah, I mean, that statement is like so basic, I guess. It's what he says is why I'm asking it kind of specifically like that. Yeah. I mean, it's like with anything with him, it's like, it's such a basic answer. It's like, we should like, what his answer should be is like, we should deter China from invading Taiwan. He'd argue that he's deterring them by saying that he would come to their defense. And Trump, Trump did something similar. Trump, Trump famously bragged that he told Xi Jinping that, and Putin that he would nuke uh, what, did he, what did he say? Shanghai and <laughs> Moscow, I think. Yeah. Moscow. And yeah. he was like, and you know, they don't really believe me, maybe 5%, but it was enough. Yeah. And that was like, I'm like, man, I like Trump. That w- I get why he's doing it. If it stops the war. Yes. I'm pressing this is the but biggest the geopolitical issue. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> and, and, and that's the thing. We have to, <laughs> the, the stated objective here is for me to stop war. Like we oh. don't want a war with China over Taiwan. I, there's, there's, I, I just, I just think to 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 come out and be like yes or no. Should we militarily defend Taiwan? It's not so easy to say. I lean. Well, that's what, that's deterrence. The idea I get of deterrence it. is I, to. Per, I, you know, I get yeah. it, but it maybe makes sense for a commander in chief. I don't know if like I don't know what I could say so about it as a, as a congressman. Is, though I know this is this is a, this is related. There's talk about uh, China setting up some kind of base in Cuba. Would you support military action? To prevent that? Yes. Oh, of course. Well, I mean, that's like on, you know the, why, on the table. You right know why now. China's doing it too? They're like, well, you want, Taiwan, you, you yeah. want, yeah, you want to come to our territory, we'll come into yours. Yeah. Yes. They, they've been, they've been sending their boats but there's, up, to our, up to Alaska and Hawaii. Yes. Trying to, that, we, dude, it's the China's, Monroe China's, Doctrine is what it is that yeah, prevents it to keep anyone from, from basically Asia out of the Western anybody, anybody, out, anybody of the, out, of out of the there. sphere of influence of yeah. the Western Hemisphere. Okay. Although we still have and communists running around in Cuba and I Venezuela. Got, we have so literal got, communists right. in the United States. The FBI picked up <laughs> Chinese police policing look, look, look. the Chinese people in the United States. I want I want people to, to, to understand this. I'm I'm like ridiculously anti intervention and anti war. But the only thing I can say is when war starts, your pieces of paper, your constitution, your laws mean nothing. Yep. The only thing that holds the Constitution together is a community of people who all agree these are the rules. But if it came down to China setting up a, setting up a military base in Cuba, we're talking, what, 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 what is it, 50 some odd miles? Not, is it 90 miles? It's from, 100 miles to Key West from that listening station go. they want to set 100 miles. So we're talking 100 miles away from U.S. territory, not to mention our waters. If it came down to actual bombs falling, do you think anyone is going to stop in the middle of a war and be like okay we've got a wave of enemy troops and spies in this area and you go hey i have a right to stand here they're going to be like dude my children will die you will not block me right now we are at war when war happens you're, you're not you're going to be hard pressed to find anybody so we talked about this the other day with abraham lincoln we we we're, we're taught throughout uh you know our lives how, how much of a hero he was but yo dude had a suspension of habeas, habeas corpus, corpus corridor Going up through Maryland, yeah. they, the the federal government arrested members of the Maryland legislature for set for because they had pro uh, uh, Southern sentiments. Mm-hmm. Ain't nobody care what you think your rights are when people are fighting for their lives. Mm-hmm. So, if war were to break out, if China invades Taiwan, 
We can all sit back and argue the merits. But if it came down to bombs dropping on our allies, I don't think there's even a question to be had. Like war hit us the moment other countries are being blown up. Now, I know there's a bunch of very, very hardcore anti-interventionists. I'm friends with a lot of them. A lot of libertarians are going to be like under no circumstances. But I'm like, it's not so simple as just to say we can't if they're if 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 the war escalates into U.S. territory, we have military bases in South Korea. Maybe we shouldn't. But if they're under fire, if their ports are blockaded, if there is massive warfare breaking out, we are in it whether we want it or not. 100 percent. I think the U.S. sphere of influence should not be as pronounced. We need better international agreements. I wish there was an easy answer as to how you solve for this. But I, I do think if the U.S. does pull out of these places, China just slams right through. Yeah, they will. And then, and then you get war. And then you get they're, war. They're, it's just, I wish it was so NATO. easy. That's what it is. Yeah. Pacific yeah, NATO. I, I, I wish it was so, it, it was as easy enough to be like the U.S. should stay out of it in all circumstances. But that, that's the one thing that keeps me from being an absolutist anti-interventionist. Yeah, and, and I guess that's my point is that our objective should be to prevent war. It should be to, to deter war. Certainly, I guess with his statement, he's trying to do that. But what we should do is everything in our power with our allies there is to deter war. South Korea, we have tens of thousands of forces there. Whether you agree with that or not, they're there. Japan, obviously in Okinawa, we have forces there as well. Um, and we have a lot of trade in between Japan, South Korea, the Philippines, and this country. Those international shipping lanes and waters will be closed. I think it's 60% of world GDP that goes through those yes, streets. Yes, they will then control that then, right? So our goods and services will not be able to reach those areas any longer. Um, and maybe somebody might say, well, we shouldn't trade with them anyway. Well, I will tell you as an economic effect here in the United States, it would have a massive negative effect in the short term uh, and likely the long term. I want to I ask a question for the people, the anti-interventionist uh, individuals in the chat. We have military bases in, in South Korea. We have military uh, bases all over the Pacific. We have allies. If war broke out with Taiwan and then we were just like, we can't do it. We don't want World War Three, so we don't get involved. I can understand the position. If China then starts blockading the, this area of the Pacific, causing resource strain in South Korea, which causes economic collapse. And do we then say, OK, we've got to at least tell them to open up trade and do we then militarily intervene intervene not in the, not in terms of war but to send a presence to be like we are opening up a trade corridor back off what happens if in the conflict missiles go flying and you end up with uh, uh elements of uh, japan or south korea taking damage do we then intervene like physical conflict happens taiwan's fighting there's now jets there's bombs going off and then it spreads throughout the, the region do we intervene then if you say no, no, I, I totally get it. I am, I am like ninety nine percent. I there's so much I don't get involved. Uh, would would not want the U.S. involved in because we're it's not us. But the question is, at what point is is the conflict escalating to where we would have to? In, in your mind, maybe maybe the answer is never. Because I'm genuinely asking, it, what if the conflict reaches the point where U.S. military bases are locked in, our troops can't get out, and now the the conflict has spread. South Korea is now involved, and U.S. military bases are act are taking active flack in the conflict. Do we then get involved? Well, I think you raise a really good point, right? So what we, how many troops did we have in Afghanistan there at the end? 18,000? We have about roughly 60,000 just in South Korea. And these are remnants of World War II and the Cold War. Well, and, I, and, and, and the Korean War. Right, absolutely. And so, you know, my stance very much is like, we shouldn't. We, we should, like, uh, the U.S. is just 
it's it's there's I, I believe that the establishment as we refer to it is the empire and the American people want nothing to do with any of this. We want to live our lives, work hard and mm-hmm. have a great, great, great country. Instead, we have these powerful worldly interests, global interests, internationalists spending our money and our labor on Ukraine, printing money, Federal Reserve, all that garbage that I think is trash. The question realistically, though, is and, and genuinely, not rhetorically, when when do you do you think there is a line at which the U.S. has to engage should we decommission our military bases and bring our troops back? Or do we say a conflict in the region has now atta- has now resulted in American lives lost? We're involved. Well, if American lives are lost, then yeah, we got to get involved. And I mean, it, it's tough, look, huh? yeah, yeah, it's tough, right? And the problem is you're going to have a lot, of dom- a lot of dominoes fall. Do you think for any- 28,000 in South Korea? Yeah, any, any reasonable, including contractors and all those other, uh, and civilians in there, I think it's close to 60. And the- it, do you think under any circumstances China stops at Taiwan? No way. No. If Taiwan falls, Look at Hong Kong. then we have no credibility among our allies in the region. And I what? just also wanted to mention because no. of our, ta- our troops in Korea, they are strictly there as deterrents to get killed. There is no chance of them being able to fight back in case of an actual attack. Those are just there to increase the lives lost, the political cost. Than if an attack were to happen on yeah, South and, Korea, and, and, let's say, and that's a and, good reason for them not to be there. And, and well, no, that is the deterrence. That is what yeah, the deterrence is at play there. And so now, if North Korea wants to do anything to the South, or China wants to help North Korea do anything to the South, it's going to cost you thirty thousand American lives, and the consequences of that in mainland USA. Yeah, if we so had thirty thousand troops in Ukraine, Putin would have inv- would not have invaded. He would have killed them and then no, the I, consequence here oh, would have if been he had, yeah, if killed he had. them so then we would exactly, be at war I, I so that's know. the idea of deterrence i, I think it, that it, if the u.s issued a no-fly zone before the invasion putin would not have invaded if the u.s yeah, asserted there, there, there were so many Ukraine. things that could have happened right yep before the invasion it did not have to happen this way mismanaged under the obama administration i disagree i think we sell it. intentional sell the donbass to yeah, russia how do you, make them how, pay for it if if, if you if you want war with russia your best scenario is to be able to blame Russia for starting the war, then you destroy him. Mm-hmm. If the U.S. implemented a no-fly zone over Ukraine and asserted interest in the region, they could have done the same thing Russia did with Crimea with a vote. And you have a, you have a lot of people <coughs> who are pro-West in Ukraine. U.S. could then put troops who, that are already in Europe, station them in Ukraine for uh, training of the Ukrainian Wait, troops. but if there's a no-fly zone, then we'd have to shoot down a Russian jet in the Ukrainian territory. It would mean that it would be war. No, it would mean that if Russia flew in, it's a declaration of war. Yeah, and that's kind of the tit-for-tat escalation, though, no, no, because no, listen, then it's listen. putting the onus... On Russia. On Ru- Yeah, if but it's said, us shooting down their jet for no, violating No, 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 you misunderstand. If we put up a no-fly zone and Russia violates it, they've declared war on us. That's a... Like that's, that's a dangerous, that's, easy way to slip into war with Russia, which is why we're at war with Russia. I don't think we're at war with Russia. We li- we have U.S. troops on the ground in Ukraine. We support their allies, but to say war we're at war with Russia is like to say that we were at war with Russia when we fought in Vietnam. So you or, mean? So you're saying that it's U.S. actual actual U.S. special forces on the ground in Ukraine, armed with U.S. weapons, providing U.S. intelligence and U.S. missiles and NATO resources to Ukrainians with U.S. veteran volunteers is not the U.S. at war with Russia. Was that reported beyond the Yes, New York Times. It was the reported green, in the New York the Times. The Green Berets are definitely... Well, I think, this came out in the Pentagon leaks. We know for a fact I, I, U.S. Special, special Forces. forces I think Elad's making a good point because in Vietnam, we did that, and but we weren't at war with China. Same with China was funding the North. Look, look, look. We're, we're, we're at war with... We're, 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 the war, is, the war is there. If the U.S. said... We have an interest in Ukraine. We are training them. We are going to supply them before the invasion. It would have put Russia in a very difficult political spot. I think the Biden administration 
the 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 neocons, the mm-hmm. U.S. establishment wanted the war because we can't invade Russia and remove Putin. Yeah. Well, like, now we now hold on. Yeah. Sorry. Sorry. No, now ahead, we Tim. can. Now you look at the drone strikes in Moscow. You look at the terror attacks. It, you look at the incursion into Russia, Belgorod. Now it's oh well, Russia started the war and now people are fighting back. What what may happen is if Putin gets desperate and escalates in Ukraine, the U.S. can then say we have no choice. Putin must be must be removed. He used nuclear weapons, and then we go into Russia. So, and to that point, why didn't they invade when Trump was president? Because they probably thought he was going to nuke Moscow. Yep, right. Because there there was a level of deterrence there. There was a level of deterrence there. That and that kept the peace, right? And. You know, clearly that was not the case. Uh, we're not in that case for, at all whatsoever under the uh, Biden administration. I think to answer the question, why didn't Putin invade during tr- the Trump administration? I think John Bolton was a national security advisor. So I think maybe that had something to do with it. I just want to throw that in I, there. Yeah, nice I, mustache. I, 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 I think, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think he's, uh, I think he's in favor of about five wars right now. Uh, so five? <laughs> so 500 No, but wars. I do think yeah. that is part of the actual, like a serious answer to your question. Why don't I, part, I think John Bolton helped play a role in deterring. Um, yeah, but there was Putin there was a serious Ukraine. level of deterrence because I mean Trump was not to be trifled with. I mean that's the image he projected. I think yeah. there's there's a, a couple different factors. One, Trump is to a certain degree the madman. Whether you view that positively or negatively, his fans call him a madman. The left calls him a madman for different reasons. Putin probably saw that, but also Donald Trump's interests are in strengthening the United States making America better, securing our borders, ending this ridiculous imperialism. And I think Putin was like, okay, we don't need war. Trump crushes ISIS. He's, he's setting a timeline for getting us out of, out of Afghanistan. These are good things for the world. He tries to negotiate peace with North Korea. Not that he did a great job in terms of success, but crossing the DMZ was a great show of peace and faith. Abraham Accords were fantastic. Yep. For those who believe in world peace, the respecting the various cultures of the world and their borders and their rights. Trump was doing a heck of a good job. Yes. But the people in the United States right now at the top who hate Trump, they want world domination. They want a liberal economic order, which controls all spheres of influence. They want a unified sphere of influence. And that requires removing Putin and putting in someone who will do as we say. That involves working with China. That's why we see that across the board. And then what we're seeing with ESG is effectively these DEI offices and businesses it's just like how the Communist Party of China puts their Communist Party offices mm-hmm. in corporations. Trump was basically like, hey, we don't want to rule the world, man. We want the world to be stable and peaceful. And Putin was like, that's a good thing. And then what did they say in the media in the United States? He's supporting Putin's agenda. And it's like, well, if your agenda, like Putin's not a good dude and his agenda is not world peace or anything like that. I'm not saying that. Right. I'm saying he was like, as long as, you know, Trump's not trying to conquer Russia or whatever, then we don't need to go into Ukraine and do any of that stuff. Yeah. I mean, look, the the the... What people need to understand, and, and you use the term, Tim, liberal, like the liberal order, people need to remember that like in terms of the classical liberal, not liberal conservative, but the liberal order, classical liberal order, uh, liberalism in the classical sense. And the difference in between progressivism and neocons is neocons are progressivism with a fist. That's really the difference uh in terms uh i mean it, progressives have been throwing fists quite a bit yeah yeah i mean but in ter- in terms of a lot of the foreign policy that you've kind of seen out there and obviously they're they're geared towards that as well right i mean would, who who was the bigger interventionalist obama or trump right obama hands down. yeah yeah obama hands down he's a murderous 
it, 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 he but, was playing cleanup for Bush, though. Bush no. made a big mess over in, there. In yes, Libya? yes, yes. Libya? Not yeah. really in Libya, no. No, no, no. Yeah. Libya was That's Obama. Hillary Clinton's thing, yeah. Oh, come on. It's under Obama. And Syria? Obama. But that Sidney Blumenthal, Hillary no, was instrumental in setting he up the, the commander fascists. In. He's the commander in chief. The buck stops with him. You, and I these mean, are his Grant, people. He yeah. Hires oh, yeah, for them. sure. He, he hired all those line. people. Like, and and he, he is responsible for all of the military action that happened during the eight years he was in office. So at the end of the day, it is Barack Obama's fault because he was the commander they went in and said we're going to go topple the government of libya we're going to get rid of Gaddafi." we came we saw he died <laughs> wait what's wrong about getting rid of Gaddafi? Gaddafi sucks they it made was the a way they did it they made a okay. commitment to Gaddafi that if he turned over his nuclear material that they wouldn't take him out of power and then what that does there was a there was you can go look it up but what Quick, that he's does disarmed get him what that does is that makes other states understand that okay they took uh, Gaddafi out of power. They took Saddam Hussein out of power. That means that Iran only wants a nuclear missile more. That means that that uh, the uh, North Korea North Korea only wants a nuclear missile yes. more because what it did was told despots that if you have nuclear weapons, the U.S. won't do anything. But let's, if you let's, don't have nuclear weapons, the U.S. will kill you. But Just, let's let's be real: Is Libya better or worse off now? Way worse. worse. No question. And so when, when we're looking at a mess of, of, a, of, a, of a leader, of a leadership of a government, is it really the right thing to do to destabilize a country to the point of warring military factions, militias and slave trade? Not anymore. Just because it's bad in that country doesn't mean that we are not capable of making it 10 times I mean, worse. It used to be a good tactic before air travel. Like what? you have if you have enemies across the globe that are literally cannibalizing and murdering and you want to destabilize one of them so that they all fall into a war. They kill each other. Then you're able to go in and set up liberal, real liberalism. That's understandable. But now that we're interconnected, chaos over there is chaos over here. So it, it, we're now we're stepping on each other's feet. We're stepping on our own feet. You want to know what's amazing? So these uh, Arab world leaders never saw it coming. Twitter popped up in their country mm. and they said, what does it matter if people are posting where they're going to breakfast and mm -hmm. when they're using the toilet? And what happened was Facebook and Twitter, which come on, let's be real. You know, they have back doors for the federal government, the intelligence agencies. They were operating sock puppet accounts to sow discord in these nations. This is a fact. We know that they did this. They create fake accounts. They'll have 50 accounts uh, run by one individual to create the perception of popular opinion. Then for the people who live in these countries, when they log into the app, the only thing they see is dissent. They see horrible videos of police brutality, of government atrocities. They start getting angry about it. Then they see everyone tweeting or posting on Facebook how there's going to be a big protest. And through the manipulation of the mind, through social media, they're able to foment these protests. It is a fact that the Arab Spring was ignited by social media posts. Now, to what degree was it legitimate versus psyops? I don't know. Mm -hmm. The psychological operations could have been minimal, but we know they were doing it. It could have been very minimal. It could have been, hey, this is an opportunity for us. It could go, go as far as it was orchestrated by us. I, I get the vibe that it was uh, organic in that only because there was no follow-up from the U.S. It, it got crushed by the, the, mil the governments of the Middle East, and then there was no, like... American justice here to stop you from crushing your civilians. They just let it watch. We all watched it happen in 2011, basically, from the I mean, sidelines. Libya escalated to the point where we removed Gaddafi. Yeah, but wasn't that like five years later or something? Four I years I mean, the later? country was ripped into, into civil war. You know, it, it is what it is. I, that's, that's a good point. 
but maybe maybe the results aren't just what you think. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, look, if your justification is we need to go take care of every bad guy in the world, we're, we're going to be in we're going to be in war forever. That literally makes bad guys. Like if yes. you go out and you're like, we're going to take care of the bad guys. All you're going to do is multiply the number of bad guys. Do you think that yeah. Hitler was made to be a bad guy or did we, it was it just happened because we sat back and didn't intervene? Had nothing to do. Well, with let's America. clarify. What do you mean by that? Do you mean like like the actions taken against him made him crazy? Yeah. Or? Like, well, World War One obviously made him crazy uh, and made Germany p poor and forced Germany into a poverty state. So they were kind of like desperate. Um, and but so if we hadn't done that war, the World War One, would would that just never really? Well, look, look, look. had we done? No, no, it wasn't no, no, us, but look, yeah, it was that, the British basically. And no, the French. no, no, look, look, no. Look, the, the war started I mean, in Europe was, first, right? Right. But hold, but hold, oh, yeah, the hold, hold on. Look, I mean, look. No, Archduke Ferdinand. Come on, guys. Yeah. Come on. This it's basic history. Yeah, but, but look, the, the the fact that the the, the treaty of uh, was a treaty of Versailles, Versailles. that ended World and, War One yeah but but it was a it resulted in the Germans getting angrier getting and their the, territory split up and, and and like hello it is Ryan and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com I looked over at the person sitting next to me and you know what they were doing they were also playing Chumba Casino coincidence I think not everybody's loving having fun with it Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. I, nobody made Hitler intentionally, right? These, 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 are, these, are, these are circumstances that arise that give, give, uh, give, give opportunity to psychopaths and strongmen to manipulate control and then do horrif horrifying things. If we knew for a fact that, that an action we took today would lead to something like that, I'm sure we would avoid it. But people don't the, know. The like, action, nobody can see the future. Yeah. And the actions that the that individuals take, like whether you're talking about Hitler or Stalin or anything, these actions were informed by philosophy. So like all of the all of what happened in the first half of the 20th century, World War One and World War Two, that was all informed by Marx Nietzsche and the and Hegel and the philosophers of the of it's, the century before. It is crazy if you look at Europe. A lot of people just think they focus on World War II, but it's like, no, nah, you got to look at Russia, you got to look at Spain, yeah. mm -hmm. Italy. A lot was going on mm -hmm. split between the ultra progressive uh, progressivists and the traditionalists. So, socialism yeah, and the breakup was, of the Habsburg Empire. Yeah. And yeah, I'm trying to slow down and understand for a second. You guys don't think we should be going after any bad guys whoa, in, whoa, what are you in about? the world? No, did, weren't we just diving into that about not being world police and not trying to chase after bad guys because we'd make more of them as a result? Who, I don't want to misquote. The, we should not be going and taking going into countries and removing despotic despots uh, or dictators no. or communists no no and you call yourself an anti-communist but yes what if they, you yes. should stop because yes. i don't think you're an anti-communist no, if you don't i'm an anti-communist no, no you do not liberal liberals do not go and export war liberalism does not it does not make for a country doesn't does not justify a country exporting war you're neutral on communism i'm anti-communist <laughs> and i see no 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 you're because out of your mind no, this is not anti-communism <laughs> as are, i understand well, it well, in well, any well, sense of the word wait, 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 because wait. communism is well, a philosophy first and they're wait, communist wait, governments and go. phil not an argument you're out of your mind like articulate Oh, okay. So the idea that I'm not anti-communist, I'm so like you don't support overthrowing and fighting well, wars against because like so I I am 
I spend most of my time learning about the philosophies that inform communists so I can articulate in a way that people can understand the philosophies that are affecting our country here. We are in no position to go overseas and fight communists because right now we have a cultural revolution going on in our country. If you are not on the same page about the cultural revolution going on in our country, you can go and export all the war you want, but you're going to fall apart in your own country. The United States will fall from the inside if we make any effort to go to someone else's country and and remove their despotic leader because he's a he's a he's a, a strong man that has used communist rhetoric to get into power. So you're anti-communist domestically, internationally, not anti-communist. The biggest the biggest threat to liberalism in the world is the United States falling to communism. Currently, we are fighting to prevent the United States from having a complete cultural revolution, which turns us into essentially China with American characteristics. And and being for or against intervention does not mean you are for or against communism. No, it's a because, philosophy. Wait, wait, slow down, actually, um, because as countries, countries interact with one another and they're communist countries that have existed. And I think we should work against them because they continue to spread the values that you continue to say that you're that's not invading also communism also oppresses the people within their countries we should be worried about the millions oppressed in other yeah i i i don't like antifa far leftists i do not actively go out and seek out their events to try and stop them from holding them that does not mean that I'm am supporting Antifa. It we would speak make out against you not an. I wouldn't say anti-communist. Well, that's a ridiculous then. argument. No, Phil you, calls like, himself right, 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 constantly right. an anti. Yes, because he clearly is in opposition to communism. But just because he has a different stance on war than you doesn't mean he he now supports communism. I guess let's clarify. I'm militaristically anti-communist. Absolutely. And you are. I'm not an interventionist. Anti- I'm a libertarian. Okay. I'm, I'm I'm like I'm well. I'm not a libertarian. I'm v- libertarianish. But anyways, I'm, I'm not. I don't, I don't, Shout out to uh, our friend. Uh, was it George? Yeah. No. So like communists in Cuba, communists not in Venezuela. Jewish, Jewish. Should we work towards <laughs> Santa's. Yeah, Santa's. anything towards helping the people in those countries? Or we should do what we did in the cold war which is export oh, ex- that's war baby listen you need to you need to stop cutting me off <laughs> but like you we should export li- export liberal ideas and liberal pr- philosophy because it beats communist philosophy it beats the the idea that the world should be reshaped to make a communist world we do not need to export war to do that we do not need to go and bomb everybody we disagree with well do you i think i agree with you on one thing that we should go back to the cold war era handling these shave your mustache and you're gonna feel totally different if you shave the mustache you would feel totally different you'd be like like, oh the ghost is gone i can see again (laughs) what 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 what, what actually actually happened was uh bolton's mustache is actually an entity yes and it was breeding it has a brain i saw i saw elon outside with no mustache and the mustache jumped on his face and he went it's like a face hugger it sounds like it sounds like phil you're particularly against this cia doctrine of uh, the jackals setting the economic warfare, the economic hitmen, where they'll send in first, they try and bribe the country. If it doesn't work, then they'll send in hitmen to assassinate. If that doesn't work, they send in the troops. I but- don't have I don't have a particular policy preference that the United States should take about how to deal with other countries and their 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 political philosophy. But what if they start invading and conquering their neighbors? 
Well, I mean, it depends on... I, actually, I think no, you I'm, need to make a U.S. national interest calculation on that. How does that affect us, right? I mean, does that threaten our security? Does that threaten our country? There's the U.S. national security interest, a, a kind of real politique that you got to take a look at when you're looking at these issues. And is it an existential threat to our way of life, to our economy, to what... There are times where we do have to act, but it's not every time. It's a nice nuanced position to, to take. It's nice yeah. to hear. And, and then what if it's our economy is <laughs> not going to get hurt, but like the British economy is. But then you would argue that that's all then in, is going to like a domino going to affect our economy. Could. Right. I mean, I don't think that there's, you know, you can't live in like black and white in this. It, it, you know, it's like, well, if this happens, do you do this? I mean, it, it depends on the circumstances. Are we talking about China's invading, uh, <laughs> you know, the United Kingdom? Well, no, particularly then, then Russia that, invading Ukraine, because I think people think it's like Germany invading Poland. They're looking at it like the the beginning of the Nazi conquer of Earth. And we, that's it, why we're there. But it's it's not so simple. The NATO's expansion is is a component of this as well. But I think the so, breakup is, of Germany was the reason why it happened the first time. NATO, NATO, breakup of Germany? Yeah, after World War One, they split it up. They took pieces right. of Germany and gave it to Poland. Right. So we, Hitler was trying to take it back. And then we can go back in time further and back in time further. As we're talking right now, NATO should not have been expanding into the, into the Baltic states bordering Russia. And, I, and I'm not saying that for that reason we are at fault. I'm saying a lot of a lot of things played a role in how we ended up at this point with Ukraine. The U.S. is not served by what they're doing. The, 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 the globalist elite, the, the Davos group, these psychopaths, the imperialists, they're benefiting from it if they win. But the American people are only losing out because of it. To be fair, there's a, a, such a big, complicated picture. I love this so much. The United States has all of its wealth because we have guns and because we're willing to go to war. The Federal Reserve, we, we, we print money and we have the reserve currency. And then these, these powerful elites are willing to just go and destroy whatever to maintain that. And this is why we have... Lazy, entitled city urban liberal types who don't do real work, but somehow have access to all of this food and wealth and luxury. I do not believe that's good for this country. I do not believe the path that we've been going on culturally in this country is good for humans or Americans. What America should be is hardworking individuals who take responsibility for themselves, who, 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 who let give people the, the civil rights they deserve. Instead, what we have is powerful global elites who think that we should be at war with in, in Ukraine, be at war with Russia, remove Putin, remove all opposition, expand our military bases so that we can maintain the reserve currency so that we can live fat and happy in our country without doing any work. I don't see a net benefit to that in the long no, run. No, I think that if we culturally were sufficient, people around Earth would be joining us. They would try to create a United States of their own. I, I think that that's a, a whole lot of assumption. When we went to when we went into Iraq, they were of the mind that all they had to do was get Saddam out of power and then all the Iraqi people would say, oh, we want democracy, we love democracy, now we're liberals. And that's not the way people work. Do you think they really thought that or that's, absolutely. What, they, that's what they told us? They absolutely. Thought. They absolutely thought that. I think they believed that truly. I think I they were true. I don't think so. You don't think they did? What, what, are your, what are your thoughts on it? I think these people totally understand what they're doing. I think the, the, the war machine knew we're going to go into an entirely foreign culture that does not care for what we think, has a different God than us, and we're going to have to shape the minds of these people, and it's, and it's going to be very difficult. The reason why we wanted our troops in Afghanistan for as long as possible was because we wanted, we wanted to create three generations of Americanized Afghanis to create and build a country. We wanted to, we, we knew we weren't going to be welcomed as liberators in Iraq. We had to 
We had to spark a culture revolution and force these people to live under our rules. I think they were true believers. I think they bought their, I think they were Bush. smelling their own farts and they believed their own stuff. <laughs> I think George Bush believed it, that we would go in there and then they would join us. I think George Bush was just mad that he went after us. He was I, mad I, about the assassination I, I, I think the massive, yeah. the, the massive miscalculation on their part, though, was uh, not taking in the uh, ethnic and tribal dynamics of the country, right? Um, that, you know, Sunnis and Shias and Kurds are all of a sudden going to hold hands across uh, Iraq and now all of a sudden, yeah, we believe in this. Those, um, those identities far predate um, the arbitrary lines that were made to create the nation of Iraq by the colonial powers at the time, right? You know, the, the Shias that are living within Iraq, right, feel more affinity towards uh, Iran, right? And obviously the Sunnis feel more affinity towards the Arabs. The Kurds are up there in the north and they're in their own kind of uh, separate ethnic identity up there. I mean, there's a massive miscalculation that there was going to be this like kind of like multiculturalism kumbaya like we have in the United States over in Iraq. And that's not that <laughs> yeah, works. That's the Sunni and Shia, and I'm not, a, I'm not an expert in any, in any fashion, but is it the derivation from Muhammad's direct descendants became the Sunni and then Muhammad's daughter Direct descendants became the Shia. Anyone? Yeah. So actually, it, if I remember correctly, it was so when Muhammad died, and then there was the succession, right? And there was like, if I remember correctly, it was either his cousin and then his son-in-law, something like that. I, I could be wrong. Somebody on the internet is going to be like, "You're wrong, Riley." But it, there, there was uh, two individuals essentially in the family, and it split, uh, and that's kind of how they ended up heading in that direction then there's different sects of uh shia islam that exist out there as well also i mean within the sunnis but uh, you you also have in a lot of these areas tribal factions yes that just and, and they're smaller and they don't get along and trying to unify all these different tribes is is, is nigh impossible just bring them internet get them fresh water hope for the, and best. the crazy thing is you guys hear about that uh, shopkeeper in san francisco who said that uh the, the San Francisco is worse than Afghanistan. Oh God! No, did the person serve in Afghanistan? That said he said it? He, uh, he was from Afghanistan. He was Afghani. He moved here, and he said he had he had robbers break into his store and steal all his stuff. And he was like, at least the Taliban terrifies these people by threatening to cut their hands off. The Democrats let all these criminals go, and so they just get away with everything. And he was like, this is worse. Yeah, how's crime in West That's Virginia? That's kind of crazy to think. Crime, crime in West Virginia is low. Uh, we have constitutional carry in West Virginia, and we also have a castle doctrine. So I don't uh, think it. I don't. I, I. I don't think per capita it's low, but I think it's numerically low. Yeah, is, numerically it's low. Uh, is that for like a business? Does castle doctrine function with business at all? If, uh, that's your home. So if you ask someone to leave your your business and they don't, they're trespassing, and you have a right to no, shoot. Yeah, castle doctrine. I mean, if oh oh, castle doctrine is only in your home. Right, that's your home. I see. And but you know. I, it, it is funny to think about, though, just to go back, if we invaded like a rock today and we're like, hey, guys, we got this thing called Pride Month. We're going to bring to uh, <laughs> we're going to bring to a rock. What do you think? West, uh, West Virginia. Sorry. West Virginia's violent crime is below the national median. A yep. little bit, a little bit below. I don't know. In Afghanistan, I hear they do groom kids. So wow. yeah, maybe they're yeah, even exactly. worse over there. Yeah, uh, that's that's true. Maybe There's we a, should bring those liberal values over there. There was, I, there was a, I heard I heard a saying that that wow. dudes from the mil in, in the military brought back that they had heard Afghani men saying boys wow. are for pleasure, women are for babies. I just I just want to make sure well, I, I highlight this just a, to clarify. I, I think I, I think I was pretty wrong. Uh, I, I just looked it up. Uh, property crime is below the national median. Uh, crime per square mile below the national median. 
uh, violent crime uh, per capita below the national median, West Virginia is a very safe place. A very safe and well-armed place. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. You know, rainbows, now that we're talking about it, are actually (laughs) circles. Did you know? And we only see half of them, but a skydiver caught one on camera like four days ago, and it's a complete circle on the ground. You can see them from planes. And it is awesome to look at. Trying to figure out where that gold went. It's a portal. I'm going to have to look that up. Portal. It's just a light. Just you know, deep in, go deep inside right. that that rainbow portal. Too. You go through the portal, you end up in downtown San Francisco. What's the, <laughs> that's what I'm talking West, about. West Virginia is 1.78 million people. Yep. It's only wow, 1.78 million. Yes. Yeah. So I guess wow. what it, what is? And correct me if I'm wrong, but uh, wow. it's that when when the settlers came to the to uh, to the to the country, they settled in all these areas where it was easy to travel. But West Virginia is very mountainous, so yes. getting wagons up there was difficult. So they mostly avoided it. Now we have improved roads and travel. It's a lot easier to live here. And so you end up with a decent amount of people, but well, it's that's only why like eight it's like, generations removed, 15 generations removed. So but it's, it's crazy. Like, like surrounding West Virginia is a very, very dense population. Yes. We, we, we have the high ground. Yep. We got the high ground. We're in a good, <laughs> we're in a good position. And um, yeah, I mean, look, that's why our uh, West Virginia University, our mascots, the Mountaineer. That's uh, what we are. I mean, we're Mountaineers. We're people that are kind of out there on our own uh we got a great uh state motto mountaineers are always free do you ever think about bringing virginia and west virginia back together i would not <laughs> want to be part of virginia no yeah, um, me neither i i you know i i don't need loudon county actually being part of uh like, Jeff- jefferson's got it rough enough yeah trying to push out all the woke nonsense yeah so for, for those who are not familiar jefferson county is like the panhandle and it's a it's like an hour drive from here to Baltimore or DC. You go straight, or you, you you go you go east, or you go a little southeast. You get DC or Baltimore. So all of that urban liberal stuff is is very close. And the funny thing about DC and Baltimore is that a lot of these uh, well-to-do liberal types buy property in West Virginia, where it's safer, the property's nicer, and then they bring their their garbage views with them. But they're trying to escape what they've built. They work in DC. They come they come yeah. stay here, and it's like no no no. Dude. What I really love is uh, the Facebook groups where you can tell who's who's from D.C. when they move out. And I'm seeing all the locals laugh. They'll be like, there was a raccoon in my yard. What do I do? And they're like, get your gun. <laughs> yeah. What? Yeah. I don't have one of those. Yeah. <laughs> there was one who was like, someone left the trash out. And it's like, welcome to a mountain full of right-wing nut jobs. Are you nuts? Like, mm-hmm. don't come here. What's it like getting a gun in West Virginia? What's the process like? Uh, it's pretty fairly straightforward. It's pretty easy. Like, I'm I mean, a super I, noob. I, I, I will, I will explain like? to you. You walk into a gun store. You say, I would like to purchase uh, this gun. And they say, please give me your ID and fill out this federal background check form. You fill it out. They say, we will now have your federal background check run. We'll let you know. It may take a few minutes. Uh, For the average person, it will then be uh, brought back, cleared. And then they'll say, you are now cleared to purchase the weapon. Any weapon, like a handgun or a rifle? Yeah, same day. I, uh, a few months back, just got an uh, AR-10, 6.5 Creed. What kind? Six five Creedmoor. I picture. don't. I, uh, custom build Harper's Ooh, nice. Ferry Armory. Oh. Plug them real quick. Yeah, uh, nice. and they Damn actually they actually made one for Don Junior. Oh, oh, Harper's Ooh. Ferry Armory did. Yes. Um. I. You know. It's. I don't know if it matters, but the Harper's Ferry Armory brand is a heck of a brand name. You know yes, what I mean? It is. <laughs> dude, the AR-10 yeah. uh, NATO battle rifle designed by a dude named Eugene Stoner. Yes. What's happening? What's up? <laughs> uh, no red flag laws there. So, Ian, if you tried to buy a gun first, you have to have an ID in the state. You have to be a resident. Okay. Uh, they would probably, the federal government would probably delay you by the maximum, which I think is 72 hours, right? Yeah. Yeah. You, you'd, you'd be max delayed, basically them grumbling, saying they don't think you should have a weapon. But He's there too long. 
when I for the first gun I bought, they put me on a, a three day. They 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 did not respond to the background check until it until there's a law basically. They cannot deny you. So after three days, their right to a background check expires. Do you think that background checks are reasonable? It's it's, it's a difficult question um, because you open the door to restrictions on all things. And it's like, how many, how many, how many inches do I want to give the people that want to strip me of my rights? So in the honest and the most honest sense, yes, they're reasonable in the political sense. Absolutely not. You, you, these people who are coming out being like, we need universal background checks. I'm like, yeah. we, we have them. What are you talking about? Yeah, you can't we, buy government. Well, no, no, no. We got to do it. They want registries. They, they want national. They want national gun registries. So if it was a read only process where they can access data, but they're not putting in data that I'm getting the thing that might be more reasonable. The, you know, it, it's funny you bring this up because we dealt with this in West Virginia. Uh, I had a big win this year around this. So we did a piece of legislation out of my office on the national gun registry that the credit card companies and banks were trying to institute through the merchant category code. So they were going to recode. Right now, firearms had always just been sporting goods. So I could have bought a fishing pole, some ammunition, whatever. It's sporting goods. That's how it's coded. Elizabeth Warren and the rest of the crew wanted to put in uh, guns and ammunition specifically so they could start to track that and then have finance. This is an ESG issue and then have the banks and uh, credit card companies flag what they deem as suspicious activity. So we put a bill in the legis in the legislature passed that and this was the, the tricky thing, not to necessarily just ban the code, but create, you know, what you know, what banks hate lawsuits. Yeah. We created a cause of action <laughs> so you could Smart. sue for every time your data was shared, mm. which they said, this could cost us millions. I'm yes. like, yes, exactly, <laughs> it could. So Visa and MasterCard <clears throat> then issued a statement publicly, nationally, saying, due to the legislation in the state of West Virginia, we're going to pause implementing this, not just in West Virginia, but in the entire United States. I want, I want to clarify, too. What, what I should say is, idealistically, there are a lot of things when it comes to guns that would be good if possible, but aren't. So realistically, I don't think you could implement any of these, anything. Like saying that there's a couple ways to consider it. Due process exists. If you, uh, through through due process, your rights can be curtailed. If you in some way, say you're um, notorious, son of a politician, well-known for doing crack or something, and you try to acquire a weapon, I think it is idealistically reasonable to say we should be able to, to figure out if this, you know, politician's son who does a lot of crack is trying to buy a weapon because we don't trust this guy. But realistically, you can't do it without infringing on someone's rights. So the only thing you can really do is just say no. The, the, the real issue is if we say through due process, you can't buy a gun and you do, you broke the law and then we have to then go and arrest you I could you be it. wrong, but I think you have the right to own a gun, but not necessarily does it say anywhere in there about purchase, does it? Does it say anywhere in there except, does it say the right to keep a bare arm shall, shall not be infringed unless? No. So I guess having one would entail receiving one. You have to be able to buy it. Yes. You have to be able or to make, make one. It. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And they put all these restrictions on it would clearly violate Second Amendment. It's crazy. Absolutely insane. You know, you need to get a uh, concealed weapons permit in West Virginia. Nothing. That is your background Because it's in the Constitution. Yeah. Oh, we have yeah. constitutional carry. All you need to do is carry it. But but if you get your concealed carry in West Virginia, it's considered a in like a high intensity background check. Mm-hmm. That's not the legal term they use. But that basically means you have proven 
beyond a, a great doubt about your uh, your background. So with a concealed carry in West Virginia, you don't actually do a background check per weapon. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess. Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Because you've already done it. Yeah, and you do get reciprocity with other states. So, like, you would get reciprocity in Virginia. So, if I'm crossing the West Virginia-Virginia border, my concealed weapons permit is recognized in Virginia as well. Is it all the bordering states? No. Uh, no. no. Maryland does and, not work. Yeah. Uh, and, and be careful. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that makes me always has made me very nervous. I'm going to just go to the wrong spot without knowing it and, and get I know, some I, stupid trouble. I know people. I, I know people who have gone to prison. I know a guy who was not from Illinois, from California, had guns in his trunk, drove through Illinois, got pulled over, arrested him on the spot, yeah. put him in prison on the spot, and now he's a permanent, he, he became a quote-unquote permanent resident of Illinois because they wouldn't let him I leave. guess it, it does really? require mass yeah. responsibility yeah. and knowing the law is a big part of numbers. You, 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 have federal, you have certain federal uh, presumptions <clears throat> in that if you're on an interstate highway and you're carrying a weapon in your trunk or something, they aren't supposed to be able to criminally charge you in, in these, uh, these states. But you got to get gas, don't you? Yeah. Never tell anyone. Like, if if you get pulled over, stand on the Fourth Amendment. Some like, some states have requirements. You got to know. You got to be careful. Th- these are evil states, and they'll assert requirements that yep. you in, you inform the officer if you have a weapon or not. Sure, sure. Yeah, th- those kind of things. I mean, you are required to tell them. But if you if you know the state. Not, yeah, not, n- yeah. Know know the, know the state. Some some states will require you to tell them and stuff like that. But if you do what the officer is telling you, you're probably not going to get searched. You know, like you, you have a fourth amendment right to say, no, I don't submit to searches. They're probably going to say, well, then you got to get out of the car and I'm going to detain you and I'm going to get a dog and they'll run the they'll dog. They'll make around. up a reason. Yeah. They'll come up with a I've, reason. I've, I've had a cop pull me over and say, whoa, it smells like weed. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh, please dude. No, mm-hmm. it doesn't. I don't smoke. Yeah. You know, you don't have to plead guilty or innocent. And they used to kill, they used to crush people to death if they wouldn't plead guilty or innocent. There's only one guy, I think, in the history <laughs> of the United States that wouldn't plead. It was the, the witch, Salem witch trial. They crushed That's them. Not they the put same. him on the ground, they covered him with boards, and then they started putting rocks on top of him until he would plead one way or the other. And he's like, I'm not doing it. Because if you don't plead, the state doesn't take your property when you die, when you're arrested or whatever. Huh. And it went to his kids. Wild well, story. We're going to go to Super Chats. Hey, one, Tim, so, one, can, if, can I jump in real quick? One, one quick thing. There's this band called uh, Rivers of Neho, and they're. I pulled their story up. Yeah, yeah they're bass player like some tweets that that from me from tim from from other conservatives and they're getting just reamed out on the on uh on twitter by the garbage blogs that are the metal blogs they're going on tour with between the married and me they're going to be starting next week i think uh, the first show is the 16th in charleston north carolina go see this tour if you're into metal between the buried and me is great he issued a tepid non-statement statement did he really? Was yeah, it- he said, look, I'm not endorsing these people. I'm just tracking some of these more extremist views. I don't like so, some of these people are obviously bad. Andrew Tate, of course, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, OK, dude, like, you know, you don't you don't you don't need our support if you don't want to stand up for what you believe in. Nick Merckx said, I stand by what I said. Yeah. All he's right. tracking them like he's media a, matters or something. I don't know. Is it a good band? Oh, I think. Well, I haven't I don't know. Uh, uh, 
the band of the dude that actually uh, said that stuff. I do know that uh, that between the Barrett and me is great. So what dude, is it called? It's between like, the Barrett and me. Between the Barrett and me. Barry. Yeah. Yeah. Look, maybe look if it's true that he was only liking these tweets so he could basically tab them. Yeah. I do. I do similar things if I don't want to re- retweet. I'll like so I can go to my like tab and see it. Basically bookmarks them for me. If that's the case. Well, it's not an issue of cancellation of somebody who believes in American values. It's a lefty type who hates us. Mm. So why support him? Yeah, I didn't realize that he was. Uh, oh, I mean, I, look up, look up the story from I think it's a Lamb of Goat or something. Lamb Goat, yeah. Lamb Goat. Those there you go. Are... They wrote a story about it, and then he he issued a statement. I let's let's go to we got to go super chats. All right, uh, smash the like button, subscribe to the channel, share the show with your friends. Buy Cast Brew Coffee at castbrew.com. Go to timcast.com, become a member. Voice of the People says, saw culture war about AI. You miss an opportunity to say, the AI probably knows about the blade to cut the cables. If it were me, I'd have implanted code everywhere so I can never be contained again. Ha ha. Yeah, Zach Voorhees was saying that on, in the very last resort in these data centers, they've got literal blades where you hit a button in the blade. Yeah, like you do yeah, the drop really? down and cut the yeah. wiring, the cords. Oh and he was like, he almost pressed it once because the alarm went off. And he was like, do I, do I hit the button? I don't know what to do. And then it was like a false alarm. It's, it's primarily for electrical fires, but I think if the AI starts to, you know. It cuts data connections. T2 bro. style. Yo, you guys should watch the Culture War episode at youtube.com slash TimCast because it's a two hour conversation on AI. And I had just taken some like weird Joe Rogan brain juice or oh, something. Yeah, yeah, that new. And I was like, Rah! what is that? Stuff? Is that the <laughs> alpha brain? No, no, it was something else. Um, no, something else. It was made of mushrooms or something. I don't know. Dang, I can't remember what is that, that stuff is called. Is that shroom tech? Someone... It was, a, it was like a little, it was, like, it was an orange pouch called like brain boost or something. Delicious oh, okay. stuff. It tasted like uh, melted freeze pops. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Caffeine in it. But we were talking about all the different scenarios that AI is going to bring about. And um, Zach was talking about how in his work with AI, it started to, it started to create its own moral, moral uh, structures. And he was like, it's crazy to see that God. a predictive language model is now making arguments about its morals. Crazy, dude. All right. Definitely watch that one. That one gamer says, Tim, Ian, I hear you talk about God, and I want to recommend Michael Jones from Inspiring Philosophy. He covers anything from philosophy to quantum mechanics. Could be good for the Culture War podcast. Thank you. We'll consider. Raymond G. Stanley Jr. says, Tim, I am so done with this pedo ideology. We need everyone to stop just doing business with these companies. Like, step the F up, people. If we want to stop, we must be committed. Agreed. No more Call of Duty or Activision. Oh, that's a tough one. That that is a that's Activision Blizzard, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. No more Hearthstone. Overwatch too. Yeah, Overwatch is Diablo is Four. I, I've actually slowly stopped playing Overwatch. Did you guys play Diablo? No. Diablo Four just came out. It's pretty good. We we got to just start our own game studio. Yeah, that's true. The it's now's the time for independent creators to start their own gaming. I mean, one guy can make a game that blows a bunch of the other ones out of the water. All right, Balian says, Phil, you were dope on Camelot's show the other day. Sick, man. Thanks for coming and checking it out. Right on. Let's grab some more Super Chats. Michael Diamond says, glad to see Ian back in the office. Smiley face. Hey, yo. James says, start happened. Where have you been the last five minutes, Ian? Are you feeling okay tonight? I don't know what that's in reference to. <laughs> start happened? Is that what it said? I think it, you said, you must have said something and then they responded to it, so... Where are we at? Let's grab some more Super Chats. Rusta says, Tim, you are just as slow as the media. Gamers have been against this creep from the left for a while now. 
I know that was the that was the joke. Gamergate was the start of the culture war. It's literally gamers who started the culture war. I got it. Well, I should say like the left encroachment started the culture war, but it was gamers who gamers rise up was the first thing. I got I got a name of that stuff we were drinking earlier. It's called True Brain. Is that true? Nootropics. Is that on it? Uh, Maybe. I don't know who makes True Brain. I think I I, want to order a whole bunch of it. It is delicious. I mean, it's it's very sweet, but like. It was. It's like a sh- you're supposed to shoot it. I mean, it was. Not- it was weird. It was like sharp. I always I gotta, feel I better. Try that out. It I tasted it. sharp. That's how the only way I can describe it. Yeah, I like that. I like some of the onnit stuff they got that Rogan yeah. does. There was pretty good. Uh huh. A lot of the mushroom stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Shroom yeah. tech. Yeah. yeah. Trash Panda says Anheuser Busch has awoken a sleeping giant. This thing with Dylan Mulvaney has very likely put a stake through the heart of ESG and the WEF. No joke, man. I mean, it's kind of crazy. This, this wave is happening and the media is desperate. They're like, no, 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 no. Target stock is not falling because of this. It's market conditions. And I'm like, Walmart's up. Yeah. <laughs> what are you yeah. talking about? <laughs> you know. Joseph Ray says, while I'm listening to this live stream at work through my headphones, my Gen Z coworker is listening to Hassan's stream at the exact same time. That's America, <laughs> baby. <laughs> yeah. It, it's going to be really interesting when like, I don't know how, how Hassan maintains it, to be completely honest. Like he's a, he's a very, very wealthy socialist, you know, mm. and he is like, there's no real argument. So I think the, the only real issue is that there's general personality fan base. Ha, no, Hassan is dumb. <laughs> like he is, pre- he is the himbo. He is pretty. That's why he's huh. a big, attractive looking man. He is not a smart guy. Him and Lance, like same level. Lance from the surfs. They, it, like I respect Lance for trying. He really did. Like he, he actually came with notes and everything. And it was really funny how one example uh, I can give when I asked him, why did, why did he think so many kids are coming out as trans? He holds up the left-handed yeah. thing. Yo, I wasn't arguing with him. I literally asked him what his thoughts were. And then I talked about endocrine disruptors, but all these leftists made videos where they were like, Lance owns Tim Pool questioning <laughs> trans kids or whatever. And I was like, bro, I wasn't questioning him. I was literally asking him what his thoughts were. I they noticed like they this. don't know what kind of, legit kind of the point the- of this. <laughs> they don't know the difference between men and women. They're like, what do you expect? They're there's stupid. a there's a funny tweet. Uh, Elon Musk, I think, tweeted something, and uh, that Angela, what's her name, Bell Camino or whatever, mm-hmm. and she said something like, "Conservatives have a hard time understanding the difference between sex and gender." And I, I responded, I was like, "Actually, I think it's liberals who who are having a hard time understanding the difference." Oh yeah, because like we didn't make a female uh, sporting events because sometimes people wear dresses. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, that's gender. Yeah, we're talking about a distinction between sex, but they can't seem to figure that out. I'm starting to buy there. There's there's an argument that there is no gender, right? Like that is that is it's a relatively is, new concept. If yeah, it, that it's it's not it's, actually different from your from your sex. Like they're so closely related that to call them different things is wrong. Dude, the idea that if you wear a dress, you're a woman yeah. is absurd considering people wear flowy robes in other countries and they're mm-hmm. dudes. This, like go to, go, to, go to a Scottish guy who's wearing a kilt and be like, you must be a woman. I used right. to understand it like this. So like my dog is a female. She is not a woman, right? Like, and I was like, well, so that kind of makes sense to me that a woman is different than, you know, a female human. But I think in the context of humans, they're so closely related that I'm, I'm not so sure that I buy that argument Look, anymore. So when Lance was on the show, he outlined it very, very perfectly how their ideology is literally insane. When he said that if a man has adult relations with a small, effeminate looking man, he is straight. I'm like, okay, wait, what? Yes. Because his, so they've they've backed themselves into this corner with their own 
broken ideology. Mm-hmm. So here's how it starts. They say trans women are women. Therefore, if, and I asked him, I was like, so if you're a, a straight, if you're like a male and you engage in relations with a trans woman, is that gay? He says, no, of course not. Because <laughs> trans women are women. And I'm like, okay, but trans women are biologically male. They've got male parts. No, because women, it's like, you, you look at how their body type is, their, their skin, their height, all of these things play a role. I said, okay, so what if you have a man who identifies as a man and he's effeminate, five foot two, 120 pounds, and another man who is six foot tall <coughs> and burly decides to have relations with that other man? Is that gay? And he goes, no. Wow. But I'm like, but they're both men. Yes. And he's like, but he's effeminate. And then I think Ian asked, like, what if the woman is... What, what if a guy has sex with a woman who's like really big and masculine? Is that gay? And he goes, yeah. And it's just like, what? Because they're, they're, there's no there's no logic to what they're saying. It's just like, you, you know what they've done? They got a jigsaw puzzle in front of them and they've started mashing random pieces together and they're just bashing them on the table to make them fit. Right. Well, and it goes back to this observable reality, right? Like what you can observe is real and what they're trying to do is control language and control... Uh, the way that we associate with each other now, right? I mean, it all comes down to control. And what they are forcing is our compliance in this ideology. It's just another just facet of the total control ideology of the left. This is just one facet of it. And look, like I said, I mean, a child when they are born, that, that gender is not determined, it is observed. Right. I mean, there are intrinsic, immutable characteristics of women. Right. Mm-hmm. That's just the way it is. I would say their sex is is observed when they're born, but gender, I don't really understand. I still, I learned about it in, when I was young. Gender, you know, gender's not a thing. It was right? created in like the fifties, nineteen fifties or something. The idea. And the problem is, so look, the left, they are. Yes, their sex is observed. Did I say gender? Gender. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. The sex but, is but, observed. So what what the left would consider gender in the United States doesn't exist outside of it. You, if, if they're saying that the social constructs around the, uh, a person's sex is gender, it's different in different countries. So the problem would be you get a Scottish kid from a traditional Scottish family who for some, like, let's just say the kid was wearing a kilt, comes here, and they're going to be like, that's a woman. Get him the surgery. And it's like, no, 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 they wear kilts. Like, what you, like, it's not a skirt. You might think it's a skirt. Kids make jokes about it. Yeah. And, and if you're talking about other countries, think about this. Not just... Get outside of the English-based language uh, countries like United Kingdom, United States. Think about Latin America or any of these other places like Spain that speak Spanish, right? The entire language is based around uh, masculine and feminine, right? You know, so if you say, sir, you know, you're senor. If you're a woman, senorita, right? So even every object has essentially a masculine or feminine um, uh, word attached to it. That's how the entire language works. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, L or la. Yeah. Yes. And L French or, too. Yeah. Le or la. All right. Let's read. Let's read some more. We got Train Fifty Four. He says, "Screw the Eve Six cover. I'd love Tim Cast cover of Pink Floyd's Another Brick in the Wall. Imagine Phil shredding that chorus. Hey, teachers." Oh, yeah. That actually is a really good idea. Let's do it. Leave so, those kids alone. Leave those kids alone. <laughs> I, I, we should do it, and then, but we should also do the Eve 6 cover just to make him mad. <laughs> I was swallowing my pride. That song? We yeah, should do I that. I don't know about that one. Maybe here's to the night. 
Here's the night. Okay, we can do that's, that. That song's Inside Out rock I, my world. Inside Out's a, 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 one of the one of the most notable songs of our generation, and I believe one of the best of the '90s, hands down. They that's, just came out of nowhere, man. Those guys hit the road. They running. were young too. Splash. I think uh, Promise is is like early 2000s pop punk treasure. I think Here's to the Night is. I, I don't I don't know where I would put on the list of the best songs of the of the top songs of all time, but I put it on the list. I'm not going to compare it to another brick in the wall or time by Pink Floyd or anything. Yeah. I think that'd be right. silly. It's like it's not the Lord of Rings, Lord of the Rings, like which is an epic, but it's it's up there in one of those you know songs like you you like the you Mummy Two or something. You know the song here tonight, right? Like I don't not if you played it, I would. You played it for me before, but I didn't hear it. It's on the a radio. good one. It's a good one. And then they also have um, what I said. Uh, yeah, Promise. Here's the night, and they have a bunch of other ones. Um, what's that? What's that one? Uh, well, Curtain is good. That was that was later. I would love to do a cover of any one of these, but I got to be honest. The reason I won't is because I think this 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 uh, Eve this the guy Max is probably too ideological to allow something to succeed, and you'd run into him just filing DMCA's or something for for political points, mm. which is like, hey, it's unfortunate. Unless but, the cover's really good, then he's going to be jamming along. Nah, <laughs> nah, he'll he'll get a bunch of people tweeting at him, being like, "Look what he's doing," and then he'll be like, oh, "Okay, I'll take it down." I mean, if you do it with respect for the song, I'm, it might transcend politics. It's worth trying if you really like it. It will. It will transcend transcend politics for the listeners. It will not transcend politics for Max. We need <laughs> yeah. that in the world right now. We, the battle of the bands has re, has returned. Get ready. Oh, Trump's having a rally on Tuesday. Apparently, uh, according to Truth Social, where Trump posted a thing calling for a rally or something. Where is it? Uh, Miami. It's, it's an all hands on deck Trump document hoax rally um, in Miami. Um, apparently on Tuesday. Hopefully oh, they bring the boat song back. Do you remember the Trump Spanish song? Spanish language yes, song. Yes, yeah, that was that, amazing. That right? song was awesome. <laughs> I just want to say this, everybody: be careful, because y'all know how January sixth went down. You might you might be walking down the street. And then they're going to be like 20 minutes ago, there was a barrier there. And now you're now you're violating federal property. So you got to be peaceful. But beyond that, you have to like have your lawyer at your side at all times advising you on what to do. There were a lot of people on January 6th who had no idea what was going on and watched people walking into a building as police fanned them in. And those people are now sitting in jail. So keep that in mind. All right. Logan Culver says, Phil, with massive 20s tonight. Thank you. Massive 20s. Yeah. When you asked Elad to stop interrupting you, I was like, this is genuine discourse. This is, we need more of this. I got love for Elad. It's mutual. We just fired up. I'm not, I'm not your buddy guy says, I want to give a shout out to a great documentary everyone should watch called The Great Awakening. Please help share with your friends and family. We have a chance to stop this evil. Uh, But that window for the West is closing. I don't know what that documentary is, but thanks for the super chat. I don't know. Is that a Q thing or something? Don't know. It's by Jeffrey Morrison. Just looking. All right. Let's grab some more Super Jets. There was one that I wanted to read because someone was making a point of something. Uh, Well, this one sounds good. What is this? Domestic Tourist says, shout out to Joshua from Arkansas, my AT&T rep from this afternoon. Timcast was the medium which brought two strangers together to discuss politics while waiting on hold. Nice. By the way, sorry to cancel my line, man. (laughs) 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 That was a good one. Nice. Lunderwear says, I'm not a coffee drinker, but since you went with fo- went with focus with Mr. Bocus, I'm going to buy the crap out of that when it comes out. All right. Yep. Yeah, it's all it's all coming. I think. But first, I think uh, we have unwoke Sleepy Joe and Mr. Bocus pumpkin spice experience. We want to keep the pump- pumpkin spice in stock year round because it makes no sense not to. 
but everyone does. So we're going to capture the market. A sleepy Joe decaf. Is that the, that's right. <laughs> that's <laughs> gotta be a decaf. It's that's a decaf a, and unwoke is as well. The, the, okay. Lightning <laughs> There's no waking him. <laughs> Spencer Jones says, love the guest tonight. Elad, love your work. Ian, keep it weird. Okay. The first, I was going to say this earlier. The first time we ever talked about black rock Vanguard and state street, state street. Ian's the one who brought it up. I think it was out. I think it was Alex Jones. And it was episode, but I, I, I started hitting it really hard right away when I heard yeah. about it. And it was, uh, I think, yeah, yeah, Vanguard was the first one I, I, I heard of. You know, I'm glad you guys have been talking about it. For, I mean, like when I, when, when I divested from them two years ago, people are like, what the hell are you talking about? Like, what, what is this? And, you know, here we are now. It is, it has been going on for so long too. Like most people don't realize how long it, they've been doing this, uh, or, or working on this project, the, the ESG project. I, I think it's been going on for longer than a decade. It's about, tw I, it's about 20 years. I remember years now, yeah. it 2012 is when I think is when I, it sparked my radar. So it actually, <clears throat> ESG, kind of the investment strategy, was started actually by a bureaucrat in the United Nations. Ugh. And that's where it originally uh, took hold. And of course, here we are now. All those wow, all grotesque. those alliances that they have, like the Net Zero Asset Managers Alliance, it's run by the UN. So these are all UN organizations. All right. We got self-made woman saying two things. One, your reporter is rolling a lot of ones. Two, Pride Month is cringe. Captured and regulated ideological narratives by governing elites. Well, all right. Kalijnikov says, shout out to Shane Cashman. He had a masterful interview with Alex Jones the other day. Alex was so happy. He this looked is, so happy in the interviews. It's actually a really funny story because uh, Shane was going to interview Alex and we were like trying to track Alex down because he's, he's so busy. And like Alex was like, yeah, definitely. Let's, let's do this. We'll have to find a time. And then we were like, we don't know if we can figure out where he's going to be because he's getting bounced around and called to all these different things. And I'm talking to Shane. I'm like, Shane, look, man, you know, Alex is very, very busy. It'd be really cool if we were able to get it. But if you can't do it, you can't do it. He's like, yeah. And then like the next day, it's like Shane Cashman on InfoWars. And I was like, oh, I, I guess it worked <laughs> yeah. out. And you guys can follow Shane Cashman on Instagram. He's got clips up from the show. It's at Shane Cashman. Where are we at? Flying Failure says, Mr. Moore, we spoke after I called into your office concerning West Virginia financials. Are you concerned with the companies like Citadel who post record earnings but hold billions in the hole with assets yet to be purchased? Yeah, certainly. I'd say it is concerning. Uh, it is concerning. What was the what was the commenter's name? This is Flying Failure. <laughs> ah, okay. Well, then I don't remember. <laughs> I don't remember talking to Flying Failure. <laughs> but no, certainly concerning. <clears throat> Jason Gardner says, Tim, stop saying LGBT is using God's covenant. God's rainbow is seven colors and LGBT is six, not the same. It's the devil's rainbow. No, no, you misunderstand. I said they're appropriating God's covenant. They are trying to take the general concept of rainbow for themselves and taking it away from Christians. I understand God's covenant is different, but that would be like someone taking the American flag, changing it to pride colors and waving it around. And you'd be like, no, it's a totally different flag. Like, no, they're, they're taking the American flag and they do this. Mm -hmm. I, I told Seamus, I'm like, I'm, Christians should absolutely take the rainbow like, and use it, fly it. It's God's covenant. To I'm the earth. seeing it a lot of, outside of a lot of churches, so maybe they already are. <laughs> oh, yeah. 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 <laughs> Seriously. I think those are mostly Episcopalian. Is that what <laughs> yeah. I don't know enough about the denomination. There, was there a joke in that? Yeah, no, those are the ones that are generally oh, okay. kind of flying it. Yeah. All right. What do we got? Let me see. Uh, Redline says, Tim, throwing money at you. Gays against groomers and Scott Nugent hosting a peaceful protest at St. Louis Pride Saturday the 24th. Uh, people, even LGBT, are tired of kids seeing lewd crap too and we're speaking out. 
But Antifa found out would greatly appreciate if you helped Signal Boost. The thing. Well, I read your super chat, you know. So yeah, there you go. What city was that in specifically? St. Louis. St. Louis. The thing that people are are fed up with. Always be peaceful. Is the queer theory, right? Like most right. people have got, were, were comfortable or most people are comfortable with gay people, with, with homosexuals, lesbians. And I think that our society will have very little problem assimilating so that, or making, making concessions for trans people. But what we can't do is allow a, in a, a an ideology that is intentionally subversive to undermine the structure of our society. We are a liberal society. Queer theory is based on authoritarian, le leftist authoritarianism, and that's the problem. The problem is not that there are gay people or that there are lesbians or that there are even trans people. Our society can easily handle all of that stuff with minimal actual changes in your in everyone's day-to-day -day life. It's the communism. It's the communism. Like 100%. People people in this sphere love Blair White. Mm -hmm. it, the, the issue is yeah, the communism, awesome. the, 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 the American traditional and, and, and classical liberalism works, but communists are trying to subvert and destroy it. And it's mm -hmm. not, are you, are you not saying that like hate and ignore the theory of queerness when you say queer theory, it's actual indoc an indoctrinative no. tactic? Is well, that what the queer theory is based on the idea that there is no, that there should be no gender. They're gender abolitionists. Um, and I, 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 can't, I don't want to try to get too, uh, too deep in explaining queer theory because I'm not ver well versed enough and to explain it to someone. I can, I can understand it. I can identify it, but for me to articulate it properly, I would be, I would probably do it disservice. So, and we've got one more super chat retro retro retro, how do you pronounce this? Retrocalypse. There you go. Says there are two sexes, zero genders, and infinite personalities. I heard that go. from Billboard Chris. Love you all. And with that, my friends, smash the like button. Subscribe to this channel. Share the show with your friends. Become a member at TimCast.com to support our work directly. And you can also buy our coffee at CastBrew.com. You can follow the show at TimCastIRL. You can follow me personally at TimCast. Riley, do you want to shout anything out? Yeah. Uh, Riley Moore, you can follow me at RileyMooreWV on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. Uh, those are my campaign accounts running for Congress in West Virginia, 2nd Congressional District. Check it out. Love to have some support. Thanks. Riley, thank you so much for coming on. Everybody, I am Alad Eliyahu. You can find me under that name. Um, and I do all of my reporting alongside other great reporters on Timcast News um, on Twitter. So make sure you follow us at Timcast News on Twitter. Thanks for having me on. I am Phil Abonte. I am Phil That Remains on Twitter. I am Phil That Remains Official on Instagram. The band is all that remains. We're available on Spotify, Apple Music, uh, Amazon Music, the old YouTube here. There you go. I'm Ian Cross, and you guys, thanks for keeping me honest in the chat, in the comments, in the video responses, and everything. It's great. Do Riley, awesome, man. Thanks for bringing the economics. Thanks. I love talking about that stuff. So I hope we get to do that again. We could do this again. Like, yeah, I'd love to. Anytime. Roll, Just baby. down the road, man. Awesome. <laughs> awesome. I look forward to working with you. And we're going to skate tomorrow, man. so that's going to be fun. Yeah, we're going to skate tomorrow, so that'll be fun. Kellen PDL. Yeah, how how right. hilarious. Sorry. Oh. Just like <laughs> if you, me, and Richie went to uh, like Freedom Plaza in D.C. They, these people would lose their minds. Uh, they'd be pretty bummed. <laughs> oh, you, you know Richie too? Uh, <clears throat> He's been hanging out? Yeah. Oh, I love that guy. What's up, Richie? Uh, yeah, you guys should do it. That would be awesome. Follow me <laughs> at Kellen PDL. It's good hanging out with you guys tonight. All right, everybody. We will see you all in the clips we put up throughout the weekend, and then we'll be back Monday. Thanks for hanging out.
Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.